It's time for Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. For the next three hours, it's high school basketball from across the Mountain State. Live from Marshall University, here's your host, Ryan Epling. Good evening and welcome to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. I'm Marcus Constantino, and tonight we're bringing you a special mid-season in-review edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. We'll be looking back at some of our best interviews, our most important topics we've covered, and just some of our favorite moments from both this season and last season. We'll be with you from 9 to midnight. As always, you can tweet the show at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup to join the conversation as we keep you company on this snowy friday night across the state first things first we've got to thank our affiliates 13 radio stations across west virginia who are bringing you tonight's show despite the uh, winter weather that's pretty much shut down the state if any positives can be taken out of all this we know you're not at a game tonight We know you're at home. You have no excuses to miss tonight's show, so we're going to get right to it and begin in Mingo County in the Hatfield-McCoy shootout that took place last weekend. The annual Hatfield-McCoy shootout took place January 16th at the Williamson Fieldhouse and featured a full day of exciting basketball action, including a big win for GW 75-67 over Tug Valley in overtime and Belfry, Kentucky, pulling ahead in the nightcap to defeat Mingo Central 62-49 in a game that ended just before midnight on uh, last Saturday. When you talk about some of the best venues for basketball in the Mountain State, you'll always hear the Williamson Fieldhouse included. It was built in 1951 and has hosted everything from the Harlem Globetrotters to Oprah to your everyday high school basketball games. Mark Witt joined Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on January 15th to talk about the shootout and about the Fieldhouse. Let's listen in. The Williamson Fieldhouse, one of the most historic venues within the state of West Virginia when you talk high school basketball. And it's been about five years now since the Williamson High School Wolfpack and the school closed, consolidated into Mingo Central High School, but the Williamson Fieldhouse still in use and still has big-time high school basketball within the state of West Virginia. And also a little bit of a border war with the Hatfield-McCoy shootout. That takes place tomorrow. Mark Witt joins us now. And um, Mark, uh, this event, obviously an opportunity to kind of keep uh, a little bit of the tradition of the Williamson Fieldhouse going and also bring together some uh, non-traditional opponents. It is, guys. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you and uh, Fred and, and Rick and you guys for having us on the first time. Stuff, uh, but uh, it is. It's a. It's been a wonderful experience the past fourteen years, uh, bringing some teams in, and you know, just looking at the history of that field house from Hot Rod Hundley to Jerry West to Willie Akers to some of the most recent guys, Mark Klein, Anthony Struthers, and those folks. It's went through there and. And, you know, went on to be, you know, not only All-Americans, but went on to play in the NBA, uh, even going back to Howard Greer. Yeah, fantastic. He, uh, or a fantastic uh, 
setting for high school basketball and still is even though uh, like I said even though the school's closed the setting's still there and kind of get the echoes within that gymnasium and um, full schedule tomorrow and a long day for for you guys but uh, uh, some very good matchups to, to go through and uh, we'll let you go ahead and uh, I mean I, I've got them here if you, if you need me to but uh, take us through the day tomorrow it's just a great day uh, for basketball. First of all, you don't like to uh, you know, first of all and foremost, thank uh, Jeff Simpkins Law Office. Uh, unfortunately, the state of West Virginia, you know, we've uh, we've really had a decline in the coal business when we first started this thing back 14 years ago. We, you know, we wanted to keep a good tradition going there at the field house. You know, we have some coal severance dollars and uh, some of the uh, some of the uh, county uh, levy monies go to support that field house, so all of our schools can still get in that arena. You know, it's a nice arena. It's not the civic center, but you know, for Southern West Virginia, it's probably the closest thing you can get to the civic center. You know, having the open space to get kids prepared for post uh, for post uh, post play in sectionals, regionals, and the state tournament. And uh, this was a brainchild way back of. Uh, uh, you know, my brother Mike Witt and, and Mr. Buck Harless and, uh, and Don Blankenship and uh, with Massey Cole and at that time and myself. And, uh, you know, things have, have progressed. And we started with three or four games, and you know, this is the biggest field we've ever had. We got uh, 18 teams coming in uh, this weekend uh, on Saturday, tomorrow. And we started in the morning with uh, at 9.30 with Ambassador Christian and Hannon. And then we at eleven o'clock we got Sissonville and Sheldon Clark, and we can talk about this later, whatever you guys or which way you guys want to go with this. Uh, Twelve thirty, we got the Man Hillbillies taking on Betsy Lane. At two o'clock, we got Hurricane taking on East Ridge, which is a consolidation over in Pike County, Kentucky. At three thirty, we have the Tulsa Rebels coming down in Polka. That's a conference game, and uh, we've been really after uh, Allen Osborne and the Polka Dots to come down and play, and uh, they, they've agreed to come for two years in a row. And Tulsa was gracious enough to uh, give up a home game to come up and play. Uh, for the first time ever, we got the Chapmanville Tigers coming in, playing a really good team out of out of Pikeville, the uh, Pikeville Panthers, who returned just about all their starters from last year. At six thirty, we got the South Charleston. Uh, and Vic Herbert and his crew coming in and playing Wesley Christian, who have they've probably got three or four D1 players on that team. That's going to be quite a challenge. And and Jack wanted to play South Charleston. They came close the last three or four years of beating them. And he said, I've got a team to do it this year. And I said, well, we'll have to see if you can come across the river and beat them. So that should be an interesting ball game. At 8 o'clock, uh, you got GW. Uh, Rick Green's team's doing, you know, really well this year. Lost a, you know, they lost a tough game to Huntington High the other night, I think, in overtime, but two, two points. They take on the Tug Valley Panthers, who we really think here in Mingo County is going to make a run at the state championship here uh, this year in a single way. And then at 930, we got the uh, the Border War, uh, Mingo Central taking on Belfry. They don't play during the regular season, and we try to make this a highlight game of every year. And it's Fred Dameron, and I, guys, I got to brag on him. Without him and helping with the media stuff and getting all this electronic stuff, I'm not a tech guru. Uh, uh, we're blessed to have Fred, Fred Dameron come down your way to come up and, and, and really help us. Well, it's an event that I know just as someone who is from, from Wayne and, and, you know, forget basketball traditions in, in terms of depending on where you're from, but Southern West Virginia basketball, and you talk about certain venues and we went through this before but Williamson and Logan Beckley are three of the, the venues that are uh, well known throughout the state of West Virginia and then to, to be able to get matchups of those uh, you know most of those are 
West Virginia versus Kentucky. Um, not all of them, but most of them. And that just seems like it's a great event that you guys put on down there. And uh, we certainly uh, wish it great success. And uh, tomorrow, full day of games. And, and, and let's be honest, a 9.30 p.m. Mingo Central Belfry game, that could be a little wild. It can be wild down here. You know, there's not a left loss be- between those two teams. And uh, last year, Mingo Central hit a last-second shot. Uh, and I think Fred will tell them call the game at that last one. But uh, Dalton Hatfield hit a last-second shot to beat Belfry by two points at the buzzer. And, uh, you know, most of the games, guys, I'm telling you, we have been blessed. And like you said, most of the time we try – all the time we try to match up good Kentucky teams with good West Virginia teams. And, you know, you talk about venues and stuff. There's nothing better than the Raleigh County Armory up in Beckley, the Logan Fieldhouse, and the Williamson Fieldhouse in southern West Virginia. And, you know, Mike Collins and myself, we've been blessed to, to, to work a lot of games there and in, in the Charleston Civic Center as far as officiating size goes. But uh, – some of the best games I've had has been right here in, in Williamson, West Virginia. You know, a lot of times it's not involved our local teams. It's been teams coming in. And we had a team come in a few years ago, guys. They, they walked in and not, not going to mention the team. And they said, wow, Mingo County. We thought we were coming to a barn to play. And they looked at that place and said, what a venue for our kids to have an opportunity to come in. And he said, and after we were able to show everybody the history of this place, you know, this is just a tremendous opportunity, not only athletically, but, you know, educationally for our kids to come in. And, and we try to line up some things with, with the Hatfield-McCoy, uh, you know, the, the tradition of that stuff and the history of it, to take the kids around, look at the billion-dollar coal field, the, the, the only coal house, actually built out a coal house where our Chamber of Commerce here uh, is, is, is located now in Williamson, West Virginia. That thing is built out of lump coal. So, you know, not only do the kids come in from, from out of this area to come in and, and, and be able to play in a great athletic event, it is such an educational trip for these kids. And, you know, it enhances their education experience and their history for, you know, to go back to school and, and hopefully report to their teachers what's going on. Mark, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I know this is the first time we've got to talk on here. You and I have crossed paths before in your refereeing. I haven't said anything bad about you, I promise. Um, but <laughs> but uh, certainly a, a pleasure to get to talk to you, and uh, certainly hope that event does fantastic again tomorrow. No, we, we appreciate you guys, and again, I can't. I want to. I want to thank Fred Dameron down there with you guys. He is. He's a tremendous asset, not only to this Hatfield McCoy shootout, but. Uh, for uh, for your all station too, and 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 really appreciate all the all the radio stations and some of the TV stations coming in to cover it. I think this is the most media we've ever had coming in, and we're hoping uh, next year to expand this thing to a a two day event, a Friday evening and a Saturday, and I'll have so many games we don't start at the uh, what I call the crack of dawn at nine thirty. <laughs> and uh, but it'll be a it'll be an exciting day, and uh, we look forward to everybody coming in and and enjoying the history here in Southern West Virginia and seeing a great arena. And, and again, thank you guys for uh, having us on. Thank you very much. Nine games tomorrow at the Williamson Fieldhouse, the Hatfield McCoy Shootout. That was Mark Witt with the Hatfield McCoy Shootout, which took place Saturday at the Williamson Fieldhouse. The next big tournament in West Virginia, just a week and a half away, will be the Big Atlantic Classic. It's slated for Monday, February 1st to Saturday, February 6th at the Beckley-Raleigh County Convention Center, and it's got lots of great matchups. Just take the February 4th games, for instance. You've got four girls basketball games and five AP Top 10 teams playing in those four games. You've got number two Huntington taking on Hampshire at 230 
Number 10, George Washington Patriots taking on St. Albans at 4.05. The number 5, Greenbrier East Spartans taking on Capitol at 5.45. And a battle of two currently undefeateds, number 1 in AA, Wyoming East versus number 1 in AAA, Morgantown. The Warriors are 14-0, the Mohegans are 10-0, and one of those two teams is going to leave the Beckley-Raleigh County Convention Center with a loss. The full schedule for the 2016 Big Atlantic Classic can be found online at basketballnight.com. Coming up, Webster County has been making some noise in the boys' double-A scene this year. The Highlanders are 10-0 as we inch closer to February. We'll hear more from Webster County when we come back right here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. High School Basketball's voice in the Mountain State. It's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. High School Basketball action in West Virginia is heating up as teams focus on a trip to the state championship in Charleston. Stay up to date with your local team and its progress all season long with Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia for three hours every Friday night from 9 to midnight. Listen online or on great radio stations throughout the Mountain State. Hear sports writers, broadcasters, coaches, players, and your calls recapping your team's game. Visit basketballnight.com for more details on how you can become part of the show. Follow us on Twitter at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup and thanks to everyone that has sent us all the game reschedules. You can send your game reschedules by text, tweets, and emails. We appreciate you being part of all the people out there updating us on all the rescheduled games throughout the Mountain State. Send your rescheduled games via Twitter. Send it to at hoops underscore roundup, at hoops underscore roundup. You can also text us 304-249-4924, 304-249-4924. And you can send us an email. Email scores at basketballnight.com, scores at basketballnight.com. Go to our website and check it out and find out how you can connect with the show. A shout out to all our new Twitter followers. Follow us on Twitter at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup new followers include christina fox at kfox underscore bravado Quan gibson lucas haynes at luda 304 coach wiley at alex 1967 thanks for following us on twitter at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup if you love basketball then there's only one place to be on friday nights after the game basketball friday night in west virginia Celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. It's 9-15 on this Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. We'll be with you every Friday night from 9 to midnight on BasketballNight.com and on our great radio affiliates across West Virginia. Head over to BasketballNight.com to find out where you can listen to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the radio. It's a very cold night across West Virginia tonight. We haven't heard from the National Weather Service yet, but some of that snow is probably melting away in Webster County tonight 
because the Highlanders boys basketball team is on fire this season. The Highlanders are undefeated 10-0, currently sitting at number four in the BasketballNight.com power ratings, ranked just below Fairmont Senior, who defeated the Highlanders 80-50 in the Region 1 co-final last season. The Highlanders are determined to make a run at the state title this season, and Webster County head coach Stephen Nutter joined us on this program on January 8th to talk about his program's success so far this season. Let's listen in. Do you know who's off to a fantastic start? The Webster County Highlanders. 8-0, undefeated. Stephen Nutter is the head coach of that boys' basketball squad. He joins us now. And, uh, Coach, welcome to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, and congratulations on to what is thus far a perfect start. Appreciate you having me on tonight. Well, tell me a little bit about this team, because I know that from a statewide standpoint, Webster County has had a – is a program that every now and then will will make a run toward Charleston, and it has in the past, but uh, maybe not necessarily on a year-in, year-out basis. I think it might catch a lot of people off guard to see 8-0 beside your team's name right now, at least people who aren't close to the program. Tell me from inside the program, has this team played as well or better than you expected to this point? Right now it's exciting, uh, getting the ball up and down the floor, uh, scoring 80 points a game right now. Shooting 45% field, 63% from the free throw line. So we're, we're scoring the ball. Um, the stands are filled. Everybody's out. We're doing it as a team. Uh, there's no no one individual star. Um, each and every player is contributing. We're getting bench play. Some nights we're playing 14 guys. Uh, it's really exciting. Well, we, right now we got two guys in uh, 21 points, uh, Dalton Gray and Robbie Coger. Uh, Robbie Coger is a point guard. He's senior. He's also averaging um, seven assists a game, six rebounds, and four and a half. So it's, it, we got we got some players, uh, but you know we're doing this together. I mean, this is we're one team. Uh, we're shooting after one goal. Our region is uh, difficult in a lot of areas, so we're just trying to get through the schedule, win as many ball games we can. Well, tomorrow night you will uh, play host to North Marion, and I, I know you were talking about uh, the stands filled. Uh, Sometimes it takes a little bit of time throughout the course of a season to kind of build that community support. How's it been up in Webster Springs so far? Uh, Brett Morris graduated uh, three years ago. He's playing at Glenville right now. Uh, they started a thing called the Webster Wilds uh, that year when they were seniors, he, Hunter Given, and seven other guys. Currently, we're getting that back. The Webster Wilds are coming out, and they're all over the place. Um, currently, I'm traveling home from North Marion, and I know we're, we're up for a test tomorrow. they got a lot of really good kids, coach really well. Uh, but I know my boys are excited for the test. We like playing these teams in our region, seeing uh, what we're going to be going up against at the end of the year. Uh, so we're ready for the task, and uh, Webster County is definitely excited for what's going on. Well, the Webster County Highlanders are 8-0 and and will play tomorrow against North Marion and then next Friday against Ravenswood. Coach, when you – Coach, when you have the the start that you've had this season, how much do you use that to build the confidence that you want to get in your team when you get into the dog days of, of the season, especially that late January, February push, trying to make that push toward Charleston? Well, it's taken three years here to get us playing the way this group needs to play. Tallest kid is playing. is listed at 6'2", but he may be six foot, uh, going all the way down, all the way down the bench. So the style we're playing is taking a little while to um, come about in a form where we're going to be successful. 
And we know games are going to get hard. Uh, we also uh, realize this at practice time. Uh, we, we, we played teams. Uh, everybody on your schedule is tough. Every win you receive every year is a, is a good win. But they realize what's coming up. And I love seeing the intensity level uh, rise up the last few days. We've had kids earlier in the season, um, bloody eyes, had to go get stitches. Uh, concussions have happened. Rolled ankles have happened. Those aren't necessarily great things you want happening on the team, but it's exciting stuff to see in the gym at practice, intensity, the physicality. And we know that that type of play is what's going to lead us to our ultimate goal. Uh, so hopefully the boys keep going hard, we can stay healthy, and we can just keep it rolling. Webster County boys coach Stephen Nutter, we thank you for joining us tonight and uh, your team off to an undefeated start. Wish you the best of luck tomorrow at home against North Marion. I appreciate you having me on. Webster right. County is ready to rock and roll tomorrow. Hey, sounds like a blast. That sounds like a, uh, you know, if we ever took the show on the road, that's the type of place that's we would go. We, yeah, we've got we've got to take the show on the road. Sometime. That was Stephen Nutter, head coach of the ten and O Webster County boys basketball team. He joined us on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on January eighth. Last week, coincidentally, we had another guest on this show from Webster County. It was Dalton Gray, and he was selected as our standout athlete of the week. Dalton is averaging 20 points a game for the Highlanders, but it was more than his ability to drain baskets that earned him standout athlete of the week honors. Let's listen in. Ryan Epling, James Collier, Rick Marone with you as we're almost halfway through the fastest three hours in radio and what was quite frankly maybe the fastest week it felt like. It feels like we were just here. And, uh, but here we are again a week later. And um, you know, several games we'll talk about much more in-depth as we go on throughout the night. But right now, it's time to introduce you to our Student Athlete of the Week. Dalton Gray is a junior with the boys basketball team at Webster County. And the Highlanders uh, junior standout joins us now. Dalton, welcome to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, first off, congratulations on being our student athlete of the week. And uh, before we get in- into your individual accomplishments, your basketball team, 9-0, and off to a fantastic start. Tell me a little bit about uh, how-, how you guys have been playing uh, to this point in the season. Well, so far we've been playing pretty good, uh, getting the ball up and down the floor, playing a lot of team ball, and even though a few games we haven't played too great, we've been hustling and working our butts off to get the W. 19 points, 7 rebounds in the win over North Marion, averaging 21 points, 9 rebounds a game only as a junior. But not only are you getting it done on the court, Dalton, uh, getting it done in the classroom as well. A member of the National Honor Society while holding up a 3.8 GPA. Your mother said your your love is basketball, but... Tell me about the the student part of the student athlete. How important is it to keep things taken care of in the classroom and then take care of basketball on the backside of that? Well, well, it's huge. Just main main thing is just pay attention and you know listen to our teachers and let them teach us and they'll do their thing and just us pay attention and keep our grades up so we can play basketball. Dalton, it's, it's a big deal. As we talked about, off to the 9-0 and start, tell me about this season. What has allowed this team to really have everything clicking to where you guys are off to such a, a nice start in Class AA? 
Well, we've played – most of us on the Lips County team played ball since we were just able to pick a basketball up. So that helps a lot, knowing each other, what we can do, knowing our role in the team. But so far, everyone's contributing. We're playing good, doing what Coach Nutter is asking us to do, and it's causing us to be successful. Well, I have to ask Dalton, um, obviously with this great start, uh, how has the community in the Cowan, Wester Springs area, uh, obviously a lot more people finding their way down Highlander Drive to the gym on, uh, on nights when you guys are at home. Tell me about how that has grown. and ha- Have you noticed that throughout the course of this season? Well, uh, Brett Morris, as Coach Nutter said, I think last week, he started a thing called the Webster Wilds. And uh, the Webster Wilds has died down the past two years, but they're coming back this year. And more and more kids are coming out, creating the student section, and the bleachers are full. The games are getting intense, and the Webster Wilds are all over the place. Well, the Webster Wilds definitely uh... – We'll be ready to go tomorrow night, I'm sure, as you guys take on Ravenswood and then uh, next week games with uh, Braxton County and Gilmer County. Uh, Dalton, congratulations on being our student athlete of the week, and we wish you guys the best of luck moving on throughout the course of the season. I'm just honored you guys selected me. Uh, hey, that that's all you, man. That's our junior, uh, Dalton Gray, student athlete of the week from Webster County. And uh, guys, community support really is just um, something that builds. We talked about that with Coach last week a little bit, but uh, especially at these rural schools, it can be hard to get to a place on a Friday night, but it can also be the community gathering spot on any night, whenever you play Tuesday night, Friday night. Any night of the week when you have a home game, but James, it makes it a little more special though when you look up and uh, you don't see a whole lot of plastic uh, seating. You just see people. Well, and you, you see kids at a, at the youth level, and I call high school still at the youth level. Uh, when you see them succeed, it's so easy to get behind them, and and it really is. It's in you you see a team like Webster County that maybe shocked a lot of people out of the gate this year. This nine and zero start. But it does, and in a community to where you, you're, you're royal, there's not a lot of things to do. And on a Friday night, when you have the kids that you've watched grow up all year, you, you know everybody in the town by the first name, you want to go support these kids. And, I mean, what else do you have to do on a Friday night than, than throw your five bucks down, have some popcorn, and watch these kids succeed? And that's, that's one of the great stories that we get to share each and every week throughout the entire state. But this is just one of many that happens, Coach Marone, in, in the Mountain State every single year. Yeah, and it, it goes on all the time. And like you said, it's easy to get behind uh, uh, kids and, and programs that really are positive and that uh, they teach a lot of life lessons. I know all of us enjoy sports and, and covering it from the broadcast side and having participated in it. Um, I'm just waiting on Ryan to whip out the old jersey he's got that's still about 25 years old, but still holding up. They used to make them a lot better than they do now. And it wasn't so bad getting the ball out of the peach basket. I don't think either Ryan was it when you had to score one. But but I think it's been a traditional thing, and I think that the, the skills that kids learn in sports you don't find anywhere else. It's not going to be in the classroom. It's not going to be with their friends. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is not at home because it's about being part of a team. 
And really, life is about working with others. It's about making things better when you're part of a group or organization. That's why we love sports. I love being a part of it. And that's what you try and convey to kids. But uh, James, you're right. When it's a positive environment, there's nothing like it. And to see a community rally around a team like Webster County, uh, it's exciting for us to cover the, the Highlanders and teams such as them. That was Dalton Gray, the junior from Webster County, who is leading the Highlanders on a 10-0 campaign in this 2015-2016 season. As we mentioned before, Webster County is ranked fourth in the BasketballNight.com Boys AA Power Ratings. You can head over to BasketballNight.com and see all the ratings for every team in West Virginia. We just started releasing these ratings at the beginning of the new year, and you can watch for them to be released every Sunday night. Girls' ratings drop 6 p.m., boys' ratings every Sunday at 8 p.m. And all you have to do is go over to basketballnight.com and click on the ratings drop-down menu, and you'll find it right there every Sunday at basketballnight.com. Coming up after the break, we'll go back to more than a year ago when two young student-athletes whose names we mention nearly every week on this program nowadays joined us for the very first time on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. That and more when Basketball Friday Night continues right here on Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. There's absolutely no better place to be than right here. It's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Streaming video live from the studios at Marshall University. Visit BasketballNight.com for video, audio, and the Basketball Friday Night scoreboard. Watch our live high-definition video stream by going to BasketballNight.com. It takes just one click to watch. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by clicking the Listen Live tab. We want you to become part of the Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia family. We'd like you to become our correspondent. Update us on your team's reschedules, scores, and anything else you'd like to send about your teams. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. Give us an update on your team's reschedules and any other information you'd like to send. You can tweet, text, and email. Find out how by visiting basketballnight.com. Special thanks again to all our affiliates carrying the show tonight. A shout-out to all our new Twitter followers. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. New followers include Lucas Haynes at Luda304, Coach Wiley at Alex1967, Robert Lewis at Lewis8944R, Bearcat Nation, Michaela at Big Mac3013, Kettlecorn at Dean Ketz, Trey Maynard, Bobby Foggin, They Call Me Jay, Jay Cronin, Noah Heinzman, Jason Wilhite, Mark Richmond, Mason 989, Alex Blackenbecker, Jasmine Thiek, Tina Lane at Tina Lane 71, Jason Westfall, Coach D, One Life, Hunter Ridgeway, Amy Beeman, Paul Humphrey, Angela Toller, Mr. Flattery, and Evan Cole. Thanks for following us on Twitter, at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. It's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. This is High School Basketball's home for the Mountain State. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. 
Now, back to Basketball Night in West Virginia with James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. It's 9.30 here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. I'm Marcus Constantino sitting in tonight for the crew as we take a look back at some memorable moments on this program from this season and from years past. Of course, this is our third year doing this program from the studios of WMUL-FM at Marshall University. And since then, we've talked to countless numbers of student-athletes who have excelled both on the court and off the court. Jared West, a junior for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish out of Clarksburg, joined us on the January 2nd, 2015 edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia as our standout athlete of the week. At that point in the 2014-2015 season, Jared was leading Notre Dame with around 21 points per game, two steals, five assists, and four rebounds per game. And today, Jared has offers from numerous D1 schools, including Marshall University. Let's go look back at Jared's Standout Athlete of the Week interview as it aired on January 2nd, 2015, right here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. It's 11.38 on this Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Ryan Epling, Rick Marone, and James Collier with you this evening. Happy to have you along earlier tonight. Number two, Notre Dame beat number six, Clay Battelle in boys basketball, 97-42. to A big win for the Irish and a big part of that. And the resurgence of Notre Dame over the past couple of years is a young man who is this week's standout athlete of the week, Jared West from Notre Dame High School in Clarksburg. Jared, congratulations and welcome to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Thank you. Uh, very nice win tonight over Clay Battelle. That was a team that made it to the state semifinals a year ago in Class A. Uh, just tell me about coming out and getting, out, getting that win this evening. Uh, we've been struggling lately and uh, we needed a win to jumpstart our season and today was a uh, a, a good win for uh, for the team. We played well together today, and I think it'll give us a big confidence boost for the rest of our season. Jared, thanks for joining us here on the show. Um, kind of going through with all of our listeners, our viewers, about the standout athlete of the week. This is a something that comes nominated from someone outside of basketball Friday night, and it's a player that is doing good things on the court as well as off. The nomination for you this week, it uh, have it talks about what you're doing this year, averaging 21 points a game, two two steals, five assists, four rebounds, but a very studious kid, a 3.8 GPA, never acts up in class, always putting a smile on someone's face. He's a very prompt person during school as well as at practice, and we hear stuff like that, and that's the things that we're looking for. And more importantly, this is one of your own teammates that made this nomination. When you hear of something like that, tell me the, the feelings that brings to you of, of as you start in your sophomore season of trying to be the leader on that team and take this team back to Charleston. Well, that, that, uh, that makes me feel pretty good as a person and as a player, knowing that uh, I've got people behind me that support me and things like that and know, that, uh, know what I've been doing. And uh, that I've been raised that way to be like a good person on and off the court, and I'm glad that uh, people are starting to recognize that. Jared, any pressure because of your name? And your name is um, 
obviously one that is familiar to uh, basketball fans in West Virginia. Your dad had a, uh, a big shot a few years ago while he was at WVU in the uh, NCAA tournament. So uh, that, that, you know, carrying that namesake, did that, does that add any pressure to you or is that something that maybe you've been able to kind of keep separate and just be yourself? It's a little bit of pressure, but not a lot because we're still different people. And I mean, like, I don't know, he coaches me, but, and I know that his name is out there and it's, so is mine, but it's not a lot of pressure to me. At least it's a good memory, though, right? Everybody has of your dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jared, how, mm-hmm. <laughs> how special was it last season? You're, you're a frosh on this team. Your first time to go to Charleston and play in the state tournament, and you come up short, but you have your dad standing there on the sideline. And at what point do you have that, that boundary of, at some point it's coach, at other times it's dad? Right. Well, I've learned – last year a lot that I had a he was my coach and he was real hard on me so like in practice and in games he was he was my coach after a game like a, a big after a big win like a state after we beat Tucker County he was my dad after we lost to Charleston Catholic he was my dad he had to help me up and so during the game he, he's my coach he's he's hard on me and he's yelling and being supportive at the same time, so you you got to find the happy medium between coach and dad. Jared West of Notre Dame, our standout athlete of the week. Congratulations on that, and that will be one of many uh, honors that will likely head your way over the course of your basketball career, and we wish you the best of luck this season. Thank you. All right, that's Jared West, Notre right. Dame High School, and uh, I'll tell you, you can you, you can hear the maturity. That's a sophomore in high school, right yeah. there. Yeah, that's a that's what I was talking about. I remember um, at the basketball tournament last year, and when I was I was doing the game, and I saw that he was a, he was a frosh, and I went, "There's no way that kid is playing so much above his time." And having the first opportunity to speak with him on the phone this afternoon, and now on the on the program tonight, as you mentioned, Ryan, you can tell. He, he's way above his times, but he's definitely got some big shoes to fill with Coach Marone with, uh, with the presence of, of Daddy West standing on the sidelines. Well, he's, he's beyond his years in basketball, and you can tell a uh, mature young man, uh, very uh, deserving of the award, and uh, you know, great things ahead. going to be fun to watch him. His dad, probably the second most well-known West in the state of West Virginia when it comes to basketball, um, behind, obviously, Jerry. Jerry West, Zeke from Cabin Creek. But uh, – Jared West, uh, we talked about the shot there before we go to break. March 15th, 1998, in Boise, Idaho, in the NCAA tournament, Jared West banked in a three to beat Bob Huggins and the Cincinnati Bearcats in the NCAA tournament. My, how things change over the course of about 17 years. And wow, that's been 17 years ago. That is hard to believe. That was Jared West, our January 2nd, 2015 Standout Athlete of the Week from Notre Dame. Jared led his team to the first round of the 2015 state tournament in Charleston, where the Fighting Irish fell to Magnolia 49-48. But so far this year, Notre Dame is 9-1 with a big win over St. Joe on December 29th. That was 68-65 over St. Joe. And Notre Dame's only loss so far this year was to Tug Valley on December 22nd. The January 2nd, 2015 show also featured another elite athlete, 
You've probably heard of her, Gabby Lapardis, the phenom from the Wyoming East Lady Warriors. As you'll hear in a moment, Gabby is no stranger to winning. Her Warriors are 35-2 and since she started as a freshman last season. And this year, she's averaging 16.4 points per game. And the Warriors are off to a 14-0 and start. Here she is, Gabby Lapardis. Her first ever appearance on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on January 2nd, 2015. Let's take a listen. It was earlier this week when Wyoming East girls basketball beat Summers County 74-63. Gabby Lapardis had 39 points in that game. She's a freshman. She came from Pineville Middle School, which just last year finished up a 67-game winning streak. And... um, the Wyoming East Warriors girls are undefeated to this point. She joins us now on the show. Gabby, when was the last time you lost? When I lost? <laughs> um, fifth grade, I think, <laughs> the time playing AU basketball. It's an impressive streak and an impressive run, and now in your freshman season with Wyoming East and a big win over Summers County earlier this week. That was Summers County's first loss. Uh, you're in a region that is just basketball crazy with Westside, who won the title last year, has won two out of the last three. Summers County, who has the program that had the 105-game winning streak earlier in the uh, decade. And uh, really, your team right now is, is perhaps the one that's standing out in that, in that group. Oh, yeah. Just as you would expect, right? Exactly. Right, there you go. So tell me about this game against Summers County. 39 points in that ball game. That's a rivalry game. That's one that's going to be a rival for four years and for you in high school and uh, to, to come out in the first time in that big rivalry setting and get the, uh, not only get the win, but uh, to get it on the road and to have such a big performance. What? I didn't hear you. Oh, I was just saying, uh, tell me about that performance against Summers County. 39 points on the road. Uh, against them uh, what were you able to do to be so effective was it a a mix up uh, or mixing up jump shots or were you able to get to the rim how were you able to get to 39 points in that ball game I just I just went to the rim as much as I could that's what uh, my coach Angie Bonzini wanted me to do and I dished to the open players you know just moving the ball up the court we played really solid defense and that ended up in a lot of good transition plays Gabby, James Collier, uh, first off, congratulations on the win and the performance. Um, three words took off after that performance on Twitter. Attack, attack, attack. Tell me about that. I know a lot of your friends were talking about. What did that mean after that game? Oh, well, attack, attack, attack has just been the word around the county now, and we're making shirts for it because that really is what Wyoming East Basketball Girls program is all about because we're so fast and we just run our break really well. In that game, that was something that they talked about, how well you were able to control the tempo, break that pressure from Summers County. And it was, as, as we talked to one of the other callers earlier, said you were getting easy pretty much any time you wanted to, Michael Jordan-esque attacks to the, to the rim. What was it that the game plan going in that allowed you to be able to set up and execute so well? I didn't exactly have a game plan other than just go out there and play and do my thing. And my thing is just attacking the basket as much as I could. And I like to pass and stuff. So the game plan was just take it as it comes. 
Gabby, this is Coach Marone from Tulsa High. A big uh, howdy from Dina Geralds and her mom, Tammy, and Dino. They said to make sure and tell you hi. <laughs> so uh, congratulations to you. And uh, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, kind of get your perception, a lot of people don't understand uh, with your experience. Uh, you mentioned travel ball and the AAU experience that you've had. Uh, you've played a lot of basketball with a lot of great talent. And uh, I think as you get into your career at Wyoming East, uh, Wyoming East girls has a long tradition, but over the last few years, they, they've struggled a bit. And Westside has kind of had the, the upper hand. Uh, how, uh, I guess, uh, fulfilling is it for you and your teammates to be able to get the Lady Warriors back uh, into that conversation at the top of Class AA girls basketball? Oh, it's phenomenal. That's really what everyone has been waiting for for like the past three years because we knew we had a lot of young talent coming up and our older players have really helped develop the team so well. And we're so excited to see what this year gives us and we're excited to see how far we go. And one other thing, you mentioned the older players. I tell you, as a coach, uh, that is something that's really special. When you have a young group uh, that you're a part of and you come into a squad, there's some girls that have been part of that program have they been welcoming? Has the chemistry been really good? Because when you have veteran players and you have freshmen and younger players, sometimes it takes a little while to mesh, but it looks like you guys have seamlessly stepped in and, and everybody's on board and everybody's bought in. Oh, yeah. Everybody is just mixed together so well, with the younger players and the older players. A lot of them, like the seniors, they really helped us out with like coming in and knowing what to do. They told us about how Angie was and just all the drills they helped us with. Gabby Lapardis, freshman at Wyoming East. Great start to the season, undefeated right now, and uh, wish you the best of luck. And uh, perhaps we'll get to catch up again later on in the season. All right, thank you. That was Gabby Lapardis, the sophomore star of the 14-0 Wyoming East Lady Warriors out of Wyoming County, West Virginia. And that was her very first appearance on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on January 2nd, 2015. Gabby, of course, was injured and had to be carried off the court Monday at the East Fairmont Classic after she came down wrong on her ankle. She thought it was broken. X-rays later confirmed it was not broken. The Lady Warriors went on to cruise to a 78-59 win over number 3 North Marion. And we hope Gabby is having a speedy recovery and can get back on the court very soon. Right now, we're going to take a break. On the other side... We're going to hear from Bo Anderson, our resident referee, when Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia continues here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, the Mountain State's voice for all things high school basketball. Tonight, it's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Felicity Van Gilder, East Fairmont Lady Bees, Erica Bowles, Fairmont Senior Polar Bears, Madison Webb, Chapmanville Tigers, Dalton Gray, Webster County Highlanders. What they all have in common is they were selected by Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia as the standout athlete of the week. Have someone remarkable on your team? Did you have an athlete make an outstanding play? You can nominate your team's players to become the Basketball Friday Night Standout Athlete of the Week. Each week, we consider nominees 
activities based on leadership, performance on the court, academic performance, involvement in the community, and volunteer work. Every Friday night, we select a standout athlete of the week. Head over to our website, basketballnight.com, and click on the Standout Athlete of the Week tab. Fill out the nomination form, and we'll take it from there. We want you to nominate your team's athletes. Check it out at basketballnight.com. It's the Daily Hoops Roundup, part of BasketballNight.com. Every day, we recap the day's scores just for you on all the teams in West Virginia. We send followers a tweet at midnight with a link to the Daily Hoops Roundup. You can also visit BasketballNight.com and just click on Daily Hoops Roundup for all the day's scores. And we'd like for you to become part of our score reporting crew during the week, too. And if your team has a reschedule, let us know about that, too. Send us your team scores by Twitter, text, or email, and we'll make that part of our Daily Hoops Roundup. We want you to become part of the Basketball Friday Night at West Virginia family. On Twitter, follow us at hoops underscore roundup, at hoops underscore roundup. You can email scores and reschedules for your team to scores at basketballnight.com. Check it out at basketballnight.com. It's the Daily Hoops Roundup. Stay up to date on your favorite teams. Check out basketballnight.com. Now, back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia with Coach Rick Marone, James Collier, and Ryan Epling. It's 948 on this Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. I'm Marcus Constantino with this special edition of Basketball Friday Night. We're revisiting some of our best moments on the show, our best interviews, our best student-athletes, and one of the interviews we can always count on as being one of our best every week is Bo Anderson. Bo, of course, is our resident referee. He calls into the program every week to talk about rules and officiating related topics. This week might actually be a milestone for Bo and Basketball Friday Night. It's the first time Bo hasn't had to wait on hold for more than 30 minutes Definitely this season, and maybe ever. We'll we'll have to check the back through our archives. But right now, let's hear from Bo from the December eleventh, twenty fifteen edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Let's take a listen. Moving right along, we're going to go now for a second time that we're going to introduce him. But I think we're going to have him this time. Our resident referee, Bo Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've already been teed up. It Bo didn't take very long. Bo, welcome to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Hey, buddy, I'm here. I thought you all just threw me off the show. I kept trying to get in and click down and out. I've got all kinds of stats with you guys right now. My cell minutes are going crazy. <laughs> we won't pay for that, just so you know. But uh, nonetheless, uh, our resident referee, and uh, we always appreciate you giving uh, your time to, to talk with us about some of the, the nuances or, or things that maybe the common fan or, or sometimes even sometimes coaches maybe are made aware of and then forget in some instances. Um, any big changes that anyone going to a high school basketball game see this year? Well, not really. They, uh, they changed. Well, they didn't change. It's kind of always been a rule, but they added – uh, that the player in the post receiving the ball is the same as a ball handler out front, so you can't put two hands or a continuous hand or a change of hands on that player. Uh, some of the stuff that they changed this year is mechanic stuff that uh, 
the fans really probably won't understand anyway. It's stuff that we've got to do. Um, and then last year you had the addition of coming in on the release on the free throw, and they failed to put in the part about the player who's blocking the shooter out has the same rule as the shooter. You know, the shooter can't cross the line until the ball hits the rim. Well, they they were not uh, matching up with that player who was crossing the line to block the shooter out before the ball hit the rim. So they had to make that fair and not allow the player who's blocking the shooter out to step behind the line or on the line to block out until the ball hits the rim. So they have the same restrictions. They can come into the lane on the release, but they can't step back and block the shooter out until the ball hits the rim if they're going to go past the free throw line. They can't make contact, then, is what you're saying. They can't make contact with the free throw shooter. Okay. Well, Bo. Yeah, they have to have the same rule as the free throw shooter. Well, some years ago, um, you know, leaving the lane or entering the lane early on a foul shot, that was a point of emphasis because it was get, it used to get you know pretty physical down there, and there was a point of emphasis made about leaving early, and that's gotten kind of sloppy um, the last full year, few years. Um, is there going to be is, is that is that a, a, you, did you say that was a point of emphasis where they're going your whistle's going to start being blown for players leaving early? Is, is was that a point of emphasis? Well, they- well, it, you know, it's a rule, and they just put the rule back in last year where the players on the mark lane spaces can leave when the ball's released. I see. Uh, that has changed several times. Prior to that rule, they had to wait till the ball hit something, whether it be the backboard or the rim. Right. And they, then prior to that rule, it was on the release. So it's changed right. about four times since I started officiating 33 years ago. But now they've decided to go back to the on the release because they think that's a little bit more fair. And uh, But they have not put in like they did the last time it was on the release. And people were blocking out the free throw shooter, and they weren't allowed to go across the line. But the, the person blocking them out could go and back them out a little bit farther than they should be allowed to before the ball hit. So they had to make it fair. Uh, you know, everything is created equally for the offense and the defense. And uh, you don't reward either one uh, for unfair play. So, therefore, they, they had to make that little change in the buck this year as far as uh, being able to uh, not being able to block out the shooter step past the free throw line till the ball hits, just like the shooter has to wait till the ball hits. Well, Bob, I know we're just at the end of the second week of the girls' season, the first week of the boys' season, and I've only really got time for one more question for you, so I'll ask Anything that you've seen that's just been kind of strange to this point that maybe you would want to to share an explanation? <laughs> well, not not yet. I've worked uh, several games already, and I'm coming back from a game right now. Actually, uh, nothing unusual, <laughs> other than the fact that the very first game, you know, how people, you know, the athletic directors and everybody are just getting their thinking caps on, and I walk out to do uh, you know to watch the JV officials working the game because it was a crew from, from my end and uh, they had a held ball and I looked over to see whose ball it was and the possession there wasn't at the table so I go to the athletic director and I said uh, hey I got an AD question for you where's the possession arrow and he said well I have no idea so spent about the next, he spent about the next 30 minutes he went to every room him and the guy and he comes by me and he says this, this guy 
about the fourth quarter of the JV game, and I said, well, thank goodness you found me. He said, I had no idea where it was. So, you know, you you got these early season kinks that need to be worked out. And, uh, you know, they so far, you know, the games I've had, there's not been any, you know, not been anything uh, strange yet. But, you know, it's a long season to go. And, you know, I am with stories. I'll have several of them before it's over with. Absolutely. Bo, we greatly appreciate uh, your time as always. And we look forward to finding out uh, what pearl of wisdom you'll be able to drop on us next week. Well, I'll, uh, I'll have some more stuff for you. Whenever I've got some uh, time and you've got time, I've got a few things we'll go over. And uh, I appreciate it. And I know it's season three. And I really enjoy being on the show and, uh, you know, giving everybody a little information because, you know, everybody knows I'll do this a million times. They got to go by the fans' manual and the coaches' manual, but there's only one manual that they need to go by. <laughs> yeah, then that's that's what Bo says. What Bo says goes, basically, is what he said right now. That's Bo Anderson, resident referee. As always, uh, appreciate his time. That was Bo Anderson from the December eleventh, twenty fifteen edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a break so that our Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia radio affiliates can get their station IDs on the air before Bo Anderson returns for a nine-minute segment from the 2014-2015 season. That's next on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday night in West Virginia, the Mountain State's voice for all things high school basketball. Tonight, it's the best of Basketball Friday night in West Virginia. A special thanks tonight to all of our affiliates. You can listen to Basketball Friday night in West Virginia throughout the Mountain State on great radio stations including 94 Rock, WRLF, Fairmont, Power 92 Radio, 92.3 FM, WIRCLP, Spencer, 104.5 FM, WASP, LP Huntington, 97.9 FM WSPWLP Parkersburg, 101.1 FM WVWP Wayne, Knights Radio, 91.5 FM WRSG Middleburn, 106.7 FM WHFI Linside, 101.9 FM and 1290 AM WVOW Logan, 90.7 FM WFGH Fort Gay, 98.5 FM and 101.5 FM WQAZLP Edmund Beckley, 101.7 FM WYAPLP Clay, Marshall University's flagship station, 88.1 FM WMUL Huntington, Cable subscribers can find Basketball Friday Night in the Huntington region on Comcast Channel 25 and Armstrong Digital Channel 204. Streaming online high-definition video can be found on our website, basketballnight.com, and on affiliate rsnsports.com. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by going to basketballnight.com and click on Listen Live. If you think you missed something on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, you can now go to the Apple iTunes store and download the podcast. You can find us by searching Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia in the iTunes store. Subscribing is simple and completely free. Podcasts are also available directly on BasketballNight.com. Check it out and you can listen and watch all the past shows. Go to BasketballNight.com.
celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. Welcome back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. It's 9.59, coming upon 10 o'clock here on the Fast Break Sports Network. I'm Marcus Constantino, and if you're just now joining us, this week is a special show. We're revisiting some of our best moments on Basketball Friday Night from this and from previous seasons. In the first hour, we heard from Mark Witt from the Hatfield-McCoy shootout down at the historic Williamson Fieldhouse. We had a mini Webster County invasion with Highlanders boys basketball coach Stephen Nutter and our January 15th Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia standout athlete of the week, Dalton Gray. We also heard from Notre Dame's Jared West and Wyoming East's Gabby Lapartis. And we heard from Bo Anderson, our resident referee. And if you missed any of that part of our, uh, our first part of the show, you can go back and listen to any earlier part at basketballnight.com. It's all posted right now. You can go back and uh, also subscribe to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia podcast, also at basketballnight.com, so that all of our future episodes will go straight to your smartphone or computer so that you can listen to us on your schedule. Again, all of that is at basketballnight.com. Moving right along, we're bringing Bo Anderson back on the airwaves right now. Of course, Bo is our resident referee, and here he is on the March 13th, 2015 edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Let's take a listen. We go back to the phone lines. It's time for our resident referee as it's Bo Anderson joining us on the phone lines. All right, Mr. Anderson, let's talk some basketball, my friend. Um, I, I have to be honest, I've racked the brain trying to think of any crazy thing that, that I've seen over the last few weeks, and honestly, it's been pretty much straight-up basketball, play it as it is. So I'm going to have to leave this one to you. Um, bring us bring us to a close as we, as we start to round out this 2014-15 season with uh, something – Bring us some rules knowledge from the man, the myth, the legend, our resident referee, Bo Anderson. Oh, well, you know, uh, uh, first of all, I want to commend you because I only had to wait for 28 minutes, so you're ahead of Ryan a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was trying to save a a few minutes because I didn't know how much that you have used your phone this this month, and it's still only mid-March, so I don't want to use all of your minutes up in the middle of the season before you have – maybe if you have to wait next week, so who knows. So I'm trying to take care of you here. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Uh, one thing I want to talk about uh, that I've seen a little bit uh, in the games is uh, the the free throws. Now, you know, we talked earlier in the year about, you know, you can come in on the release on the free throws. A couple of things I, I don't think that players understand is that means the marked lane spaces, the people, the six people in the lane spaces can enter the lane when the ball's released, the person blocking the shooter out cannot go past the foul line and contact the shooter until the ball hits the rim. Also, the six mark lane spaces cannot run out of there and leave and get outside the three-point line until the ball hits the rim. And I've seen a couple of uh, scenarios where 
Well, you know, the, the players made the shot, so I stepped in and, and told that uh, player that they could not pass the foul line until the ball hits the rim. They can enter the lane, but they cannot back up and contact the shooter until the ball has hit the rim because the shooter, on the other hand, has the same, uh, you know, they have the same rights. They're not allowed to cross the free throw line until the ball hits the rim. So I've seen a little bit of that not being understood. And then I almost had a play that I haven't had very often the other night in my last game. Players along the lane spaces, if a player fakes going into the lane, if they cause the other team to violate, the only thing that counts is the fake. Therefore, the team that faked will be the only team penalized. And I had a player try to do that the other night, uh, tried to fake a player into the lane, and it was the shooting team that was doing the faking and had the defense actually stepped in the lane, I'm going to wipe the shooting team shot off. And I, there was a timeout a little bit after that, and I told one of the assistant coaches, uh, not to interrupt the head coach, but I wanted them to tell them that if that player fakes again, and causes a player from the other team to violate, then the fake is the only thing that's going to count. So uh, that that's one that I started to go over a little while back, but uh, thought I would mention it since uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it happened the other night, but the, the extent of the violation didn't occur because the other team didn't violate. So it's it's hard to believe that we are nearing the end of the 2014-15 season. Girls champions will be crowned tomorrow. The boys get going on Wednesday up in Charleston, and that will round things out Saturday evening. Does it seem even possible that even with the snowmageddon that we had earlier this uh, this year and then backed up with Winter Storm Thor, the heavy rains, but we've really missed many of the disasters, but those snowstorms really compiled onto about a three-week period that really affected some of the play that we've seen over the last few weeks. But here we are, championship weekend for the girls, championship week next week for the boys. Does it seem possible? No, you know, you know, except for the week whenever it really snowed a lot and I didn't have any games because they all got canceled, uh, the season really flies by fast. It seems like. You know, I just got started and worked my first game the first week of the regular season, and all of a sudden I'm blanking my eyes, and I've finished up the other night uh, with a regional game, and it's just uh, it just really seems that it's happened very quickly. And uh, a funny thing the other night, uh, you know, every trip as an official can be an adventure if it's not already one when you get to the game. Uh, we were uh, at, uh, I was at Mingo Central, and a guy at Mingo Central was extremely foggy up there, and a guy told my partner, said, now, hey, after the game, you guys be careful going home and watch out for the wild horses. And they said, what? You know, they thought he was kidding. They thought he was kidding, and he said there are 40 at least 40 wild horses running that hillside and a truck hit one the other day and it just destroyed the truck. And I said, that's all I need to hear is we're looking for uh, silver out there with the long range rods. <laughs> uh, you know, you never, you, you know, you never know. 
And then two other things. Uh, I know you got other people, but uh, we were on our way to the game, and uh, a school bus had stopped to let kids off and had gotten where the uh, railroad tracks were, and here comes a train, and the arm bar comes down across the school bus. So he's sitting there, and the arm bar is hanging on there, and then whenever the train got by, he had to go head through. Well, then the bar wouldn't go back up. And we're sitting there, we're on our way to the game, and so I'm thinking, we're never going to make this, and there's two 18-wheelers in front of us. Then, when we left the game through all the fog, and we got back to Kermit, right at the end, there was a big, bright, flashing blue, and part of the lights dimmed a little, and then there was two more flashes, and all the Kermit, you couldn't see a thing. All the power went out. So, you know, it's an adventure to the game, at the game, and after the game. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, and always, as you said, it's it's glad that – Always a good thing to know that you at least were aware of what to expect. Nothing better than driving down the road and then thinking that you're hallucinating when a big horse runs off the side of the of the hillside and out in front of your vehicle. So, Bo Anderson, my friend, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's always a, a pleasure talking with you, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk with you next week, uh, either in studio or on the phone. Yeah, I'll probably be calling in next week. I may venture up and watch some of the games uh, next Friday. So yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be calling in probably. But you know, again, before we go, I, I, I continuously hear comments about the show and about what a great show it is and what a good job that you guys do there at the studio with the show. So you know, I'd like to still you know commend this show. I enjoy listening to it. You know, even before I'm on, after I'm on, whatever. Uh, it's really good, and I've had some other people that continue to pick up listening to this show that think it's absolutely great. So I'm just glad to be a part of it. Bo Anderson, our resident referee, thank you so much for the comments, and we will talk to you soon. Okay, you guys have a good evening, and thank you guys. That was Bo Anderson from the March 13th, 2015 edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Let's move ahead one week to March 20th, 2015, Rich Skeen and his Sissonville Lady Indians had just defeated Fairmont Senior 50-47 less than a week before for the Class AA Girls State Championship. Rich joined us right here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, and here's that interview from last year. Guys, before we keep talking about the games currently in progress, we've got to go to our, our good buddy Rich Skeen, the head coach of the Sissonville Girls team who won a state title because... From my understanding, Coach Skeen and his phone are uh, just about to uh, call tonight. He needs to pay that bill. <laughs> Coach, yeah, I know you've had a busy week and all, and you're coming off of coaching a boys' and girls' season and a girls' state title and a boys' team that went to the regional, but did you forget your cho uh, the charger phone? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm still on, on season time or whatever. I'm still wired and, and ready to go, you know, late night, but my phone is just, it, it's done. It's done. I'm sorry. I don't know what, what's wrong. Well, Coach, we'll try to get as much out of you as we can in a short of amount of time for you. But uh, tell you what, four-seeded team, and you win the girls' state title, first state title for Sissonville since 2003. You take down number one Wyoming East in a fantastic ball game last Friday night and then come back in an almost equally spectacular game and beat Fairmont Senior 
on Saturday. Tell me about uh, taking those girls to the uh, pinnacle of Class AA. Well, uh, nothing that I did as a coach. I, I'm just uh, blessed to have some girls that uh, were just very, very focused. And uh, I think getting so close last year just uh, just really made them want it that much more. And uh, if you could have seen them in the locker room before the game and stuff, just uh, really a focused group. And uh, just uh, I, I really don't think, and Madison said this in one of the post-game interviews that uh, I don't think we had the, the most talented team there, but I think we had the biggest heart. And I just think that uh, I've always heard, you know, you, you got to have some luck involved and stuff like that. And we had some some breaks go our way and all that. Uh, but if you could just see my girls and how hard they played and uh, just uh, really just proud of them. They're the ones that won it and they're the ones that went and got it. Tell me about Carly Pinkerton. In state tournament play, she more or less went off. Uh, she had 26 in the uh, title game and 10 rebounds. And I know that she and Madison Jones have both been uh, big parts of your ball club, Michaela Long as well. I mean, it's a whole host of uh, excellent players. But really, Carly Pinkerton was uh, almost unstoppable in Charleston. Did, did, did you see that coming? Well, uh, anybody that knows Carly knows what type of player she is. And uh, uh, I, mean, I, I see it every day in practice. I mean, she's just one of the most competitive players I've ever been around. And just, uh, I mean, she just goes 100% all the time. And uh, because of that, she gets hurt a lot and, and not a very, very big frame. And uh, uh, did I see that coming? I don't know if I saw it. I mean, I just, you know, with the teams we play down here, I know she can score, but for the rebounding and then to guard uh, for half the game, you know, in, in, in two of those games, the other team's best player and still play like that, just uh, really, I can't honestly say I saw all that coming, but uh, I know Carly, and uh, I know how competitive she is. And if, if anybody could see video of her in those games, it's just how focused she was. I mean, there was no talking. There was no uh, – you know, uh, high five here or there. I mean, she was just so focused and just went out and played. And uh, for somebody five five uh, to come up with ten rebounds in championship uh, game against uh, the size of Fairmont Senior, just uh, I mean, just just unbelievable the effort. Well, she had twenty six points against Clay County, twenty points in the semifinals against Wyoming East, and then twenty six more in that title game. And uh, just a fantastic run for her. And Coach, uh, congratulations again. This this is Coach Marone, and uh, uh, I, I tell you, Coach, I don't know that I can remember a team that had to run the gauntlet when they got to Charleston that you had to run this year. I'll be honest; when you looked at the way the seedings came out, uh, you know, you had to take on uh, a Clay County team that had beaten you twice, a Wyoming East team that really everybody had kind of penciled in uh, as that number one team, and then a Fairmont team that was uh, was right there the year before with Emily Stoller. And, I mean, I really don't think I've ever seen a team run the gauntlet like you have. So you guys definitely deserve the championship. But I tell you what, to get that three kind of efforts like that in that period of time says a lot about you and your staff. So what, what was you able to do to get them to rise to the occasion? Because, again, you had as tough a road as anybody I've ever seen. Well, I appreciate that, Coach. Uh, I, you know, we we planned ahead, and I, and I know you don't want to 
looking at you. I take it one game at a time. But we planned ahead, you know, after we saw the, the brackets come out, what uh, what we were going to have to do, you know, if this team won or if that team won, if we were fortunate enough to win. Uh, but our conditioning all year, uh, in which, you know, they asked me one of the post-game interviews, with, or I think it was at the championship, you know, what do you do conditioning-wise? And I, and I told them, just being truthful, we don't do any more conditioning than I ever have in my 18 years of coaching. It's just that we, we do conditioning, but we also, our girls go at game speed all the time. That's a credit to them. So our practices are just always at game speed. And, and, and believe it or not, even drills with Madison and Carly are just at game speed all the time. So they keep themselves in shape. Now, I was really concerned, to be honest with you, uh, having to play. Our game didn't get started, you know, Thursday to almost 9.30, and then have to turn around and play at 7.15 the next night, and then have to turn around and play at 2.30. After the Friday game, I was really concerned with our legs. I just thought that Fairmont was able to rest so many girls. They played 14 girls, I think, in the quarterfinals, and about that many again in the, in the semifinals. And I just was fearful that our legs would give out. But... Uh, Ice baths, believe it or not, as much as players hate them, uh, they took ice baths after each game and again the next morning. Uh, our scouting reports, we just we didn't want to bombard them with, you know, overload them with things, but we just tweaked a thing here, there, and stuff that we, that we already did. And uh, and then, like I said, too, I mean, just be honest, you know, we got a couple lucky breaks here and there, but sometimes, you know, good players make breaks for themselves. But I think, you know, we. Down seven with two minutes to go against Lyman and East. Uh, usually, you know, you probably don't win those games, but uh, the girls just hung in there. And, and Madison even fouling out, you know, with a minute and a half to go or whatever it was. Uh, they just hung in there and just uh, uh, the heart of a champion. That's what I said. Uh, you've heard that before, but I, it, it was never more evident with, for me than uh, my girls' team last week. Coach, one other thing uh, uh, before we let you go. I'll tell you. You guys had to come out as a runner-up in the sectional, and I and I understand we've been there. Uh, I've had a team that had to we had to try and recover from a sectional loss, and I know that you went through that. You went to Mingo Central, you got a win at Mingo Central, but to be honest, and I kind of followed that game as you played. I I, I think it probably wasn't at your top level, but you went in there and grinded out a win at Mingo against a good Mingo team. But I tell you what, uh, what goes into getting a team that was probably very disappointed at Clay County when you lost in the sectional and getting them refocused, or was it something that was within them that they knew they still had their goals ahead of them? Because that was impressive to me is to lose the sectional and then go on the kind of run that you did starting at Mingo Central. Well, Coach, I, I... I apologize to them after the section championship, but you know, we got off to a horrible start in that game. And uh, I tried to do something defensively that we hadn't done for uh, for two months. And uh, why I tried to do that, I don't know. And got us off to a bad start. And credit to my girls, they they really battled back throughout that game, and we ended up losing. Uh, we battled foul trouble bad in that game, and. Got, they lost a four on the road. Um, so I apologized to them that, that next day. And I, I, after that, Coach, I don't know. They were just they were just focused. I mean, they knew what was you know what had to be done. Uh, that snow came. You know, we actually our regional system been played on that Wednesday, and we're in the van, and we're uh, between Chapmanville and Logan. And we get a phone call saying uh, their their coach was flooded in. 
so we had to turn around <laughs> and come back. It wasn't played till Saturday. So, uh, I mean, they're just focused. I mean, that's just the credit to our girls. It really is. They just uh, stayed focused, and they, and they wanted it. And you're right. We had to grind out a win down there. And believe it or not, Coach, we, we held the ball for seven minutes in the fourth quarter. Why, uh, why don't you ever do that uh, against us? We got <laughs> Well, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> uh, Coach, I know your, your, your phone's just on its last legs here, but uh, I want to give you a chance to brag on Brooke Reed a little bit quietly. She ends up with 17 rebounds in the semifinal against Wyoming East, had 16 rebounds in the quarterfinal against Clay County. She didn't do the scoring, but she did a lot of the dirty work that helped you get those wins. Oh my gosh! I mean, we're not. I'm not here talking with you on the phone right now. If it wouldn't have been for her, I mean, we're just outsized. Coach Marone can tell you that we're just outsized. It seems like in every position. Uh, and for her to come up, I mean, with 16, and that's how Clay County beat us in the season. Uh, was it just killed us on the boards? And for Brooks to come up with 16 in that game, and then turn around and get 17. Not only did she get 17 rebounds against Wyoming, she had six block shots. And, uh, and came up with a huge basket when we're down seven with two minutes to go, you know, to cut that thing to two. So, I mean, it's just huge. And then uh, she came out, got her hands, and she was in foul trouble in the championship game, but uh, she, we kept her out the whole third quarter and then got her back in there in the fourth quarter. And late in the game, when it's a two-point game, we missed a free throw, and lo and behold, who keeps it alive? that Brooke Reed and Carly got it about that again and put us up four. So just uh, she just played huge. And not only Brooke, but Ellie McClung, who doesn't score in the line when team, has nine rebounds and three block shots. And you could take Ellie's whole career and add up the block shots, and they wouldn't equal three, and she had three in that game. So <laughs> it's just uh, unbelievable effort on all of our girls' part. Hey, that's what it takes to win. Coach Rich Skeen, congratulations. Assistantville Indians, Class AA Girls, State Basketball Champs. Thank you all. I appreciate it. That was Rich Skeen, head coach of the Sissonville Boys and Girls Basketball Teams. Rich led his Lady Indians to a 2015 Class AA State Championship last year. This season, the Lady Indians sit at 9-2 and and are ranked 7th in the BasketballNight.com Girls AA Power Ratings. The boys team is 6-4 on the year. Coming up, we'll hear from Hedgesville head coach Kelly Church right here on our special highlight edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. High school basketball's voice in the Mountain State. It's the best of basketball Friday night in West Virginia. High school basketball action in West Virginia is heating up as teams focus on a trip to the state championship in Charleston. Stay up to date with your local team and its progress all season long with Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia for three hours every Friday night from 9 to midnight. Listen online or on great radio stations throughout the Mountain State. Hear sports writers, broadcasters, coaches, players, and 
your calls recapping your team's game. Visit BasketballNight.com for more details on how you can become part of the show. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. And thanks to everyone that has sent us all the game reschedules. You can send your game reschedules by text, tweets, and emails. We appreciate you being part of all the people out there updating us on all the rescheduled games throughout the Mountain State. Send your rescheduled games via Twitter. Send it to at hoops underscore roundup, at hoops underscore roundup. You can also text us 304-249-4924, 304-249-4924. And you can send us an email. Email scores at basketballnight.com, scores at basketballnight.com. Go to our website and check it out and find out how you can connect with the show. A shout out to all our new Twitter followers. Follow us on Twitter at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup new followers include christina fox at kfox underscore provado Quan gibson lucas haynes at luda 304 coach wiley at alex 1967 thanks for following us on twitter at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup if you love basketball then there's only one place to be on friday nights after the game basketball friday night in west virginia Celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. It's 10-24 here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. I'm Marcus Constantino with a special edition of the show. Remember, you can follow Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on Twitter at hoops underscore roundup. You can get all the scores all the time on the Basketball Friday Night statewide scoreboard over at basketballnight.com. Or you can just drop by the site. We are the exclusive home of the BasketballNight.com Power Ratings. It's a new computer rating system we run and release every Sunday evening. Of course, you can find all of that over at BasketballNight.com. On December 18th, Basketball Friday Night welcomed Hedgesville head coach Kelly Church to the program. Hedgesville may be a long way from the Charleston Civic Center Arena, but they're no stranger to it. Hedgesville boys have won three state championships in 1970, 2004, and 2012. And so far, the Eagles are off to a promising start for the 2015-2016 season. Here's Hedgesville head coach Kelly Church from the December 18th edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Someone else who's had a lot of success in Charleston over the years is Hedgesville. And the Eagles are currently off to another Good start, unbeaten at 4-0, and oh, and head coach Kelly Church joins us now. And uh, Coach, first off, welcome to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Thank you very much. I uh, love the show. Uh, certainly appreciate you guys having me on. I'm flattered. Hey, we're happy to have you. Of course, you've had a lot of success, as we mentioned as <laughs> well. And off to a 4-0 and oh start, and, and earlier this week, uh, I went over Broadfording Christian Academy. Tell me a little bit about that program, just for those who would be unaware. Well, they're 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 uh, they're, uh, they're they're a, a fairly small private school in in, uh, in Hagerstown, Maryland, and they they recruit international players. So, like they they have, I actually am 
have become pretty good friends with their their head coach and uh, he uh I actually spoke to their team after the game they they are they're uh they're six six uh, six seven, six four, six four, five eleven. That's how they start. And they, uh, although they're they're extremely talented, uh, they have yet to find a way to to blend all their different cultures together. They have uh, six born kids, uh, and all of them, in their own rights, are pretty good players. However, at this point, they don't they don't seem to play very well together, which is their big problem. And and their coach and I are friends, and I talk to them afterwards, and and to him and to their team, and they just. Um, you know, it's one of those things like if, you know, if you look, watch them warm up and you watched us warm up, you would have thought that, you know, it was going to be a long night for us. And it turned out really to be just the opposite. Uh, you know, what happens that we, we try to pride ourselves on or, you know, it, it, I can't make our kids taller. Uh, I can't necessarily, we can in the off season do the best we can to, to make them as strong as they can be and as quick as they can be. But the, the reality of it is, man, the best thing you can do is be as skilled as you can be and play as intelligently as you can. And then with that being said, if five kids, kids play together as one you got a lot better chance so um you know while they're a talented group of kids uh team wise uh you know i think it, it that's where we had the advantage and we had a good game well coach you, you talk about that cohesiveness and i think that's something that uh it, it kind of defines your program uh, at least from a perception standpoint from someone who's uh, a long way from that program from the outside looking in uh, your teams have been able to over the years dictate pace and now yeah sometimes people I, I know you've caught some uh, attention with the 33-32 state championship win in 2012 which by the way no matter what anybody says that's still a state championship and uh, but second off right. I, I watched yeah. your I watched your team in person just a couple of years ago they could play fast they could control tempo they could play different styles of games within the same game how are you able to to work with your ball club to be able to do that in terms because some teams we see they can play fast but they can't play a slow down game uh, but your team seems to really be well, able to excel both I, well i think uh, i think the, the biggest thing that, that i try to instill in our kids is is you know uh, to be a good basketball team you you can't only play at one pace you be you have to be able to play at different tempos uh you know it's ironic you bring up the game uh you know uh i'm really good friends with coach green at gw and before that game to help each other get to where we got which was the state championship game we'd already exchanged like six different films uh so the state championship game itself although that was 33 32 that that game wasn't necessarily a anybody holding the ball that year that we were fortunate enough to win a state championship we it was the semifinal game where we where we held the ball uh qj peterson who's who was uh who's the leading scorer in the southern conference right now at vmi um cj burks who starts at marshall uh chris shields who uh plays at longwood has three division one players which you know i'm the first one to tell people part of the reason we're able to win a state championship is we had talented kids but all three of those kids were on the bench in foul trouble they all had two fouls to start the second quarter uh there is no shot clock so we decided to hold the ball uh we passed the ball we watched it on film we believe it's 63 times before we shot a layup uh there was only four possessions in the quarter um you know, and uh, I'd be the first one to t- I tell people all the time, like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, everybody wants, everybody talks about the shot clock. I'm in favor of it. It's fine for me. Like, it, it, it helps our team defensively. 
Uh, now, other teams that happen to be a ton more athletic can't ever hold the ball on us. So I'm fine with the shot clock. I think we're pretty good at manipulating things and getting good shots for kids. But, um, you know, in that same game, you talked about playing at different paces. In, in the second quarter, there were only four possessions of the game. Uh, I mean, in that quarter, uh, two by us and two by uh, by Parkersburg. In the second half of that game, uh, we scored 48 points in the second half alone. It was the highest scoring second half of anybody in the state tournament that year. So while we catch some flack for it, you know, the other side of it is if you look at the numbers and look at everything else, I mean, I joke around with, like, I catch some heat because, you know, that year we lost to Martinsburg four times. And I tell everybody, I don't think we were the best team in the state that year. I think we were the we were the best team in the state tournament that weekend. Um, you know, but I, I keep looking on the state tournament trophy and there's no asterisks. It just says state champion, so we're going to go ahead and keep it. Coach, covering Marshall University on a regular basis and going back with CJ, I want to know how many rubber bands did you have to put around his arms to hold him down for only two possessions in that quarter? Well, it was easy because he was sitting beside me. Uh, you know, he was out, so that's why we did it. I mean, like you know, it, it, you know the the biggest thing, like. Uh, you know, that I can say about CJ and, and about QJ and Chris Shields as well, but, but certainly those, those other two we just mentioned, like, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're playing division one basketball and, uh, you know, it's sort of, you know, a much different scale, obviously, but, um, you know, when Michael, when Michael, excuse my puppy, when Michael Jordan, when Michael Jordan went to the NBA, all of a sudden he scored a ton more points because he was playing in a different type of game. But along the way, I think Michael Jordan learned a lot of things that allowed him to be that good. Like, you know, um, we think we taught CJ how to be a disciplined young man. We taught CJ the importance of going to school and making great grades so you could have an opportunity, you know, uh, at the next level. Uh, we did the same thing with QJ. Uh, and so, you know, I, my role is different than college coaches. I, I think my role is to try to prepare kids to be able to play at that level if they're good enough. Um, but with that being said, as soon as kids think they're more important or better than the rest of the team, then, you know, quite honestly, the year we won a state championship, my paycheck was no bigger than last year when we didn't have such a great year at all. So, you know, I, I think it's what we're supposed to do. And, like, program-wise for us, you know, last year, uh, Daniel Delaware, who was who at Lewisburg Junior College in North Carolina playing now, uh, he had a tremendous junior year, and he broke his leg heading into a senior year. And, and when he broke his leg, uh, you know, not only did did, uh, did did our players' basketball shortcomings come out, which happens when you lose your your clearly best player and, and and a point guard at that, but but some of our character flaws showed up as well. And, and I'm not pointing at any one kid or individually, but but program wise, one of the things that I did poorly was, um, you know, I I, I I maybe started to feel a little bit of pressure because we had been to three or four Final Fours and we had so much success. So, uh, you know, I I I, um, I think that I got away from all those things that I think allowed us to have success in the first place, which was no matter what, we're going to be the absolute most disciplined group you've ever seen. We're going to be the hardest, you know, working team you could ever imagine. And with that being said, uh, you know, we've decided that this year that's what we're going back to. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a, a great group of kids, uh, whether we're the most talented basketball players, you know, I, I don't I don't think we are, but, you know, we have some talented kids. You know, we're, we're way too little to be a, we look like a single A and don't mean it offensively towards any single eight teams, but we, you know, we, we have only a couple of kids over, we have one kid over six, three. I mean, we, we look like a little high school basketball team, but with that being said, you know, we, we think we have a chance to be okay. And we're going to work extremely hard and dive on the floor every two seconds. And, you know, uh, we actually changed our style a little bit. We've been a motion team where we pass the ball sometimes numerous times and, 
in a possession. And we actually run Princeton's offense now, and it's not like I'm giving it away at the scouting. I don't care. Go watch Princeton. I mean, it's uh, we don't kind of run it. We run every part of it. Uh, it's, you know, extremely detailed. It's taking the kids a great deal of time and effort to learn it. Um, you know, but, but they're, they're doing a good job with it. So we've had to do some things differently than we've ever done them before. But, you know, when you, you know, in our section, everybody is so, you know, there's so many talented athletic teams that, uh, you know, try to come up with something new and a little bit different. Well, Coach, uh, we always appreciate getting to talk with you and uh, definitely uh, wish you the best of luck tomorrow. You take on Fort Hill, Maryland, and uh, your team again, 4-0, Hedgesville, uh, off to a, another great start. Coach Kelly Church, uh, best of luck and hope to get to talk basketball with you again later. This was fun. Thanks a lot. Have you guys seen? And I didn't. Either. I actually went. My son came home from from college, so I, my one son's a manager at Marshall, and my other son actually goes to the Merchant Marine Academy. My twins, and uh, and he just got home, so I went out to eat. Did you guys talk about Martinsburg and Hawaii at all yet? Is that yeah, yeah. Up? We we've hit that a few times, Coach, especially with the, the snow flying around. I sixty four shut down. All the snow and ice. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about it a little bit. <laughs> Well, in our, in our area, the big question, you know, of course, around here, like, well, they went to Hawaii. Are you jealous? And, uh, you know, a, a few years ago, we actually went to Alaska. And so, I, you know, I'm all for them going to Hawaii because I, I think next we're going to try to go to Puerto Rico. So, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things you can't – you shouldn't – I think too many times we – everybody in all aspects of our life, we, we spend too much time maybe being jealous of what other people have and not being uh, happy enough with what we have ourselves. So, Coach, if you need anyway, a broadcaster, really look me up. time and – Oh, yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, my, my, for the first time in a long time, all my coaches were more than willing to go scout. <laughs> Usually I can't get them to go scout in the games, but you know, they found out they're going to Hawaii and everybody wants to go scout. So. Uh, but anyway, I, I certainly appreciate you guys very much. That was Kelly Church, head coach of the Hedgesville boys basketball team from the December 18th edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. So far this season, the Eagles are 10-2 and and ranked 11th in the Basketball Night Boys AA Power Ratings. Coming up after the break, we have a Fairmont Senior Girls Coach and Player Double Feature. Keep it right here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. There's absolutely no better place to be than right here. It's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Streaming video live from the studios at Marshall University. Visit BasketballNight.com for video, audio, and the Basketball Friday Night scoreboard. Watch our live high-definition video stream by going to BasketballNight.com. It takes just one click to watch. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by clicking the Listen Live tab. We want you to become part of the Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia family. We'd like you to become our correspondent. Update us on your team's reschedules, scores, and anything else you'd like to send about your teams. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. Give us an update on your team's reschedules and any other information you'd like to send. You can tweet, text, and email. Find out how by visiting basketballnight.com. Special thanks again to all our affiliates carrying the show tonight. 
A shout out to all our new Twitter followers. Follow us on Twitter at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup. New followers include Lucas Haynes at Luda 304, Coach Wiley at Alex 1967, Robert Lewis at Lewis 8944R, Bearcat Nation, Michaela at Big Mac 3013, Kettlecorn at Dean Ketz, Trey Maynard, Bobby Foggin, They Call Me Jay, Jay Cronin, Noah Heinzman, Jason Wilhite, Mark Richmond, Mason989, Alex Blackendecker, Jasmine Thieke, Tina Lane at Tina Lane71, Jason Westfall, Coach D, One Life, Hunter Ridgeway, Amy Beeman, Paul Humphrey, Angela Toller, Mr. Flattery, and Evan Cole. Thanks for following us on Twitter, at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. It's the best of basketball Friday night in West Virginia. This is High School Basketball's home for the Mountain State. Basketball Friday night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to Basketball Night in West Virginia with James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. It's 10.39 here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. I'm Marcus Constantino bringing you a special edition of our show as we recap some of our favorite interviews from this season and from years past. Thank you to all of our listeners across West Virginia on our affiliate radio stations and online on our podcast at basketballnight.com. The Fairmont Senior Lady Polar Bears are 10-3 and on the season, and we had the Polar Bears head coach Corey Hines and junior player Erica Bulls, who was named Standout Athlete of the Week on December 18th on the program on December 18th earlier this year. Here's Corey Hines and Erica Ebola Bowles. You'll see why I called her that here in a minute on the December 18th program. The Fairmont Senior Girls Basketball Team is in the area, or was at least earlier today, and uh, they were in action in the FCA, Big, uh, the Big Ten, not FCA, but the Big Ten Cardinal Conference shootout, and Fairmont Senior got a win in that classic today over chapmanville regional 74 42 Corey hines head coach of the polar bears joins us and coach congratulations on your win today all right thank you guys thank you very much how is traffic you where you are oh well right now we slow creeping up the interstate you know so we want everybody out there you know i want to let everybody's parents know that i got the kids safe and sound we got a great bus route but we slow creeping right now so uh, we should be home <laughs> probably tomorrow. We <laughs> ask. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but no, tell them, tell them their kids safe and sound, and I fed them, so I don't want anybody to be upset. But we, we're going to be okay. All right, good to hear. Good to hear. And uh, from a basketball standpoint, a good win today too. Uh, a thirty-point win over Chapmanville Regional, a game that uh, really the last three quarters of the game you guys really, really took control of. Uh, yes, uh, kids play really, really hard. Um, uh, I was very proud of the effort, especially starting from the second. The first quarter, you know, uh, just getting off the bus, you know, uh, we started off a little slow. Um, but that happens like when you have a young team. And, um, but we was able to, you know, get into a flow and kind of play the type of game we wanted to play. You started the season with two losses. 
And let's put that in perspective. We lost to Morgantown and Southern Garrett, Maryland, and those are two outstanding basketball programs. Uh, now have come back and won three in a row, uh, including a big win over North Marion. And, and North Marion, I think, opened some eyes with the way they handled Sissonville, the reigning state champions, today. And, and you guys had a six-point win over North Marion uh, a little bit more than a week ago. Uh, happy with where your team has progressed to this point? Um, I, I know if a lot of people think about it. Usually with us, if we start off like 1-2 and two or 0-2, oh we usually end up, end up getting on a run. So that was same, kind of like the same way we started last year. Uh, I used to, I, I like to try to play a lot of tougher teams in the very beginning. Uh, it shows us what we have to work on, and it also uh, lets you know that you know uh, when you play tough teams, you, anyone can get beat on a given night. So uh, that's kind of like the way we start. That kind of what works for us. I know some people take the opposite route and they'll try to play uh, teams like you know teams that they feel that they can beat to try to build momentum up early. But like I said, we want to be the best team in February, at the end of February going into March. And I think that's I think that's what works for us. Your ball club, a little bit of a different look this year. Uh, you had an outstanding run to the uh, in the state tournament last year as well but uh this year kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a turnover there with uh with, with some players but uh how uh how some of the, the newer girls stepped in to this point um i like all my young kids i'm very proud of them uh like right now we have one senior which is Tyra horton and uh she's running the show uh, she's been starting for us for like three years and i got two juniors uh erica bowles and uh, abby Stoll. And they're doing a great job. And then, and then I got you know a lot of sophomores and freshmen. I got you know, uh, Angelo Delorenzo, Kelly uh, Bob, you know, Kaylee. Then you know we got some freshmen coming in and they're contributing, like Anisha George and you know uh, Courtney Wilfong. So we we have you know a real young team leadership. So that's one thing. But um, uh, and then it is a different look because we got to replace a lot of points and a lot of assists. Um, but the one thing that I, you know, tell people that we play, the one thing I will not replace is our defensive intensity. I want to keep that no matter who I have playing. So um, our motto doesn't change. It's still play good D. Layups are the key. We feel the team that gets the most layup opportunities. I'm going to be the team that's in the best position to win the game. And that's what we have some of our young people. They're starting to get accustomed to it. Um, and, and, you know, starting to, you know, generate turnovers from the other team. And we're starting to get up and down the floor. Coach, we congratulate you on that win today, and uh, best of luck uh, moving forward. Uh, got a game against Philip Barber uh, coming up uh, next week, and uh, then uh, the Christmas break. So, uh, hope you have a good uh, holiday break, and uh, we'll definitely get to talk with you again in the new year. I surely appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Corey Hines, head coach of the Fairmont Senior Polar Bears Girls Basketball Team, and. Now that brings us, James, to our standout athlete of the week. Yeah, this week's standout athlete of the week from Fairmont Senior High School is Erica Bowles. Erica, a junior, and the first three games out this season, she put 17 in the bucket against Morgantown, had 10 against Southern Garrett, 19 against North Marion. She's a participant in Relay for Life and her freshman and sophomore seasons. She's also a volunteer at the Bellevue, Bellevue Community Park Renovations, as well as a fundraiser for the American Cancer Society. This week's Basketball Night Standout Athlete of the Week, Erica Bowles, and she joins us now. Erica, first off, congratulations on the, uh, on the award. Thank you. 
let's talk about first off your your time at Fairmont Senior High School. You're a junior there, a GPA of 3.7. You do so much community work for the area around there. What is it that you enjoy getting out into the community and just trying to help others that may not be able to get out and do things for themselves? Um, I enjoy like helping people as much as I can and seeing smiles on their faces. So anything I could do to help, um, I like to get involved in the community and everything. I know she helped bring a smile to her coach's face, too. Uh, we just had, had Coach Gaines on. And, and, and Eric, I believe, just a little bit further back in the bus, perhaps, uh, tonight, uh, talking with us here on the, on the phone tonight. But uh, we talked with Coach Gaines about the win over North Marion. That was uh, a little bit earlier this season, uh, last week. Uh, and uh, that was a game you had 29 points, 10 rebounds, and four steals in that win over the Huskies. Highly thought of North Marion team. And I think that basically was that a game where you guys kind of wanted to let everyone know hey yeah we did lose a, a couple of really good players to graduation from a year ago but we're not going anywhere um well anytime we play North Marion our team gets so excited and we just all have a really good mindset when we play them and um, when we played North we just we, when we played North, we all came out and just played our hardest, and everyone contributed in different ways. And I was really proud of my team for the win. That was a great one for us. Erica, we were told to ask you this question. We talked with uh, Jared West, head coach from Notre Dame, and he said, ask her what her nickname is. So we will allow you to share that with us and as well as all of our listeners and viewers here on Basketball Friday Night. Um, that's really embarrassing. Uh, yeah, his nickname that he gave me is Ebola, and he he says that. Well, he says, "Okay, my name's Eric Ebola, so it sounds like Ebola." I was working out with him one night, and he said, "I give you that nickname because you're often like a deadly virus." <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So so you, you have something terrible, he turns it into something great, and he just kind of sticks. So um, talk about last season. You, you make the run into the state tournament. Um, what experience was that like for you as a sophomore, and how much do you take that and build from that going into this season of trying to get back? Um, my sophomore year was great. We had a great team, and we went on a great run. And um, – it was hard losing in the championship game for everyone, but it just gave us another reason to go back in the gym and get better and better. And that's what our team did this summer. So we're really trying to play our best this year. Well, Erica, how's your role changed from last year to this year with with this with this particular team? Um, there's a lot more pressure this year than last year, I guess. Um, had to step up and be more of a leader to the team. Well, Erica, congratulations on uh, being our standout athlete of the week, and congratulations on your win today over Chapmanville Regional. We certainly wish you the best of luck throughout the rest of the season. And uh, Ebola, that will be a nickname that will stick around for a while. <laughs> Thank you. All right, that's Erica Bowles, Fairmont Senior, our standout athlete of the week. That was Erica Bowles, a junior with the Fairmont Senior Polar Bears girls basketball team. 
And before her was Corey Hines, the Polar Bears head coach. We're going to take our final break of the hour, but when we come back, we'll get our second visit from our resident referee, Bo Anderson. That and more when Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia continues here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, the Mountain State's voice for all things high school basketball. Tonight, it's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. A special thanks tonight to all of our affiliates. You can listen to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia throughout the Mountain State on great radio stations including 94 Rock, WRLF, Fairmont, Power 92 Radio, 92.3 FM, WIRCLP, Spencer, 104.5 FM, WASP, LP Huntington, 97.9 FM WSPWLP Parkersburg, 101.1 FM WVWP Wayne, Knights Radio, 91.5 FM WRSG Middleburn, 106.7 FM WHFI Linside, 101.9 FM and 1290 AM WVOW Logan, 90.7 FM WFGH Fort K, 98.5 FM and 101.5 FM WQAZLP Edmund Beckley, 101.7 FM WYAPLP Clay, Marshall University's flagship station, 88.1 FM WMUL Huntington. Cable subscribers can find Basketball Friday Night in the Huntington region on Comcast Channel 25 and Armstrong Digital Channel 204. Streaming online high-definition video can be found on our website, basketballnight.com, and on affiliate rsnsports.com. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by going to basketballnight.com and click on Listen Live. If you think you missed something on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, you can now go to the Apple iTunes Store and download the podcast. You can find us by searching Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia in the iTunes Store. Subscribing is simple and completely free. Podcasts are also available directly on BasketballNight.com. Check it out and you can listen and watch all the past shows. Go to BasketballNight.com. Celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. It's 10.52 on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. I'm Marcus Constantino with our special highlight show. We're going back to some of our favorite moments and segments of the show this year and some of last year. Right now, we're taking it back to not that long ago, January 8th, 2016, when our resident referee, Bo Anderson, joined us just like he does every week to close out our program. Well, you know who serves justice at ball games is the referee. And our resident referee, Bo Anderson, has been on hold for about an hour and a half. And he joins us now on the program. Uh, let's give Bo his welcoming music. Come on, guys. He's, yeah. There we go. I hope Bo's still with us. <laughs> Bo, Bo, is your phone still charged? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. <laughs> I'm going to put it to you this way. 
I've had time to, you know, you know, they usually say my call stinks, so I had time to wash my referee shirts, <laughs> hang them. I've got them on, on hangers to dry. They're already dry enough for me to wear one. And, and, and you know, I, I just don't know what to say. I mean, I thought my calendar day was going to change on my phone. And, and when I started this thing, when I, when I really started waiting, and I saw I happened to be, you know, just on the Internet, and it says, shows my resident referee on hold 35 minutes. I thought, man, that's nothing. So that guy that had to hold 25 minutes, he don't have anything on me. Okay? <laughs> and that was an hour ago. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, uh, I, he's in bed by now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Bo, let's get to what we, we like to talk about, basketball and officiating situations. Uh, I've run across one recently. Uh, I, I did not see this in person, but I've heard about it from a, a couple of different people, seeing it in a couple of different places. We're talking about a simultaneous block charge call. Now, I, I'm not one, I don't want to necessarily get into the decision-making because there, there are judgment calls that can honestly be made either way and that you can't really argue that it's wrong. What I want to get into is if you and one of your fellow officials blow your whistle at the same time on contact, you've got two different angles, and, and to throw out an officiating term, it's right on the edge of the primary zone for each of you. So it's right on the fringe. It's one of those legitimate... 50-50 calls. I know maybe officials won't admit to there being 50-50 calls. It's one of those that can go either way. One calls charge, one calls block. How does that discussion go between two officials? Well, we like to try to get together and uh, decide if we can decide whose whistle went first. First of all, uh, we could call that a uh, a double foul and call a foul on both players if if we make that mistake and one signals for a block and the other signals for a player control foul uh we really like to get together and try to decide and what we really try to train ourselves to do is the the, the official that it's closer to in their primary area gets the first crack at it and we kind of need to hold our signal and wait and see what each other's going to do. And uh, sometimes that's tough, you know, especially when you're trying to sell a call in a big game and it's a big play. And, uh, you know, I've talked to you a little bit about how that rule is on a block charge. You know, every player is entitled to, to their spot as long as they get there first. And when you've got one where the player is airborne, if that player is there before the player is airborne, then the player who is airborne is going to get assessed the player control foul if they run over top of the defender. If the player who's airborne and then the defender steps over after they're in the air, then the, then the player who is uh, uh, playing defense will get called with the block and foul. But it's very tough. That's It's not necessarily always a tough call, but it's tough when you have two whistles. But we like to get together, kind of withhold our signals, and hope for the best. <laughs> Bo, one that I saw a few times in a couple of tournaments over the holiday season, it's a play near the basket that a, a player comes in with a, a running floating shot. And as the player, the defensive player goes up for the blocking attempt, they make incidental contact with the net. 
the shot comes out, the ball is never touched inside the cylinder. But of course, you have the fans who have their own rule book that immediately start screaming goaltending. Is there any form of a goaltend in this situation, and has the defensive player committed any type of of penalty in the contest? Well, on page twelve hundred and fifty of the fans' manual, <laughs> that 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 might be goaltending or basket interference. But in the real reality of the thing, uh, basket interference, the ball has to be on the rim, within the cylinder. Or inside the basket. And again, we talk about it. they can't touch the rim or the net or the ball if it's within the imaginary cylinder, which goes from the rim up to the roof, on the rim, or, you know, inside the basket. Now, they also cannot reach through the basket from below and reach outside the rim and touch it. That's basket interference as well. Goaltending is outside the cylinder, downward flight with a reasonable chance to go in, which means it's not going to come up short, be an air ball. So none of those things happen in that scenario, and therefore you have a clean play just because somebody hits the net. If the ball's not on the rim or within the imaginary cylinder or inside the basket, you can't have basket interference, and you sure can't have goaltending on that, those, that situation. Well, Bo, we greatly appreciate you hanging in there. I know we kind of joke about it, but it can also be tough to, to hang on hold for an hour and a half to to to, to join us. But I mean, right there, right there is dedication, and we we appreciate it. Well, you know what? Two things. Number one, when I started out about an hour and fifty minutes ago, I had eighty-seven percent battery charge, and I'm down to about twelve. <laughs> and secondly, secondly. Uh, the, the the other major factor to this deal here is not only am I down on the battery life, but everybody else that I know has went to bed besides me. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I think that uh, those two things come into fact, but I, I really, uh, you know, hey, I like listening to the show anyway, and I usually listen to it. And, uh, you know, they can't tell me that my referee shirt stinks now because I've had time to dry and the tide smells good. So. Therefore, you know, we're, we're, we're going to manage and move on. And uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead, as soon as I get off here, recall the show and see how long I'm on hold for next time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That sounds good. Hey, that's our resident referee, Bo Anderson. He's coming to a gym near you. That was our resident referee, Bo Anderson, who is always serving justice in gymnasiums across West Virginia. When we come back, we're throwing it back to February 20th, 2015, when Josh DeLotter joined the program. It's coming up after the break here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, the Mountain State's voice for all things high school basketball. Tonight, it's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. A special thanks tonight to all of our affiliates. You can listen to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia throughout the Mountain State on great radio stations including 94 Rock, WRLF, Fairmont, Power 92 Radio, 92.3 FM, WIRCLP, Spencer, 104.5 FM, WASPLP, Huntington, 97.9 FM, WSPWLP, Parkersburg, 101.1 FM, WVWP, Wayne, 
Knights Radio, 91.5 FM WRSG Middleburn, 106.7 FM WHFI Linside, 101.9 FM and 1290 AM WVOW Logan, 90.7 FM WFGH Fort K, 98.5 FM and 101.5 FM WQAZLP Edmond Beckley, 101.7 FM WYAPLP Clay, Marshall University's flagship station, 88.1 FM WMUL Huntington. Cable subscribers can find Basketball Friday Night in the Huntington region on Comcast Channel 25 and Armstrong Digital Channel 204. Streaming online high-definition video can be found on our website, basketballnight.com, and on affiliate rsnsports.com. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by going to basketballnight.com and click on Listen Live. If you think you missed something on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, you can now go to the Apple iTunes store and download the podcast. You can find us by searching Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia in the iTunes store. Subscribing is simple and completely free. Podcasts are also available directly on BasketballNight.com. Check it out and you can listen and watch all the past shows. Go to BasketballNight.com. Celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. Welcome back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. I'm Marcus Constantino. It's 11.03. We're starting our number three of the program. And we begin with a name that will likely be etched into the record books for many years to come. Josh DeLauder is West Virginia's all-time scoring leader. The Paul Paul alum joined Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on February 20th, 2015. Here's our interview from February 2015 with Josh DeLauder. Right now, joining us on, phone, on the phone from his home in South Carolina, is West Virginia's all-time leading scorer, Josh DeLauder, 15 years ago. Josh took Paul Paul to the West Virginia State Tournament in Charleston and uh, in many ways was kind of an enigma. That was before the Internet was such a big uh, widespread deal. A lot of people just heard of him and then got to see him on that big stage. Josh DeLauder joins us now. Josh, pleasure to have you here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Ron, i got to admit, man, um, you told me you're going to have that red pawpaw shirt on. I don't see it. I, I, you know, I, now listen, this is the truth. I left home and got about halfway here and went, oh, no, I forgot the shirt. And um, Oh, yeah. And I was running too late to be able to turn around and go back, or I would have. Um, I, but I, I made sure you saw the video. You do know that it is in existence. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> but, uh, boy, Josh, uh, something that uh, – we've talked about is the the community involvement and, and Paul Paul High School one of the smallest high schools in West Virginia and of course it's been 15 years now since uh you had the put the put the capping uh the final touches on your uh, high school career with over 2,900 points um a number that is likely to n- never be broken of course you never say never but just when did you realize that you had a chance to set the state scoring record. Well, you know what? Um, we really didn't find that out until um, 
Mr. Sam Huff, uh, the old statistician for West Virginia, out of Wheeling, actually contacted our school, uh, I think going into the summer of my junior year. And um, it was basically news to everyone. You know, it's something that I never really kept track of or the school didn't. And, um, you know, to answer your question, that's exactly uh, that's exactly how we found out. Uh, I know that in many situations, uh, small town schools, you know, you, you, we see the movies, movies such as Hoosiers, where uh, it kind of glorifies the small town experience in, in growing up in a small community, representing that community uh, in basketball. Did you feel some pressure, though, to come along with that? Yeah, I mean, of course you do, growing up in a small town. Um, it, you know, it was, it was just something new that none of us really ever experienced. Uh, and, you know, when you have the uh, the weight of uh, basically a, a program at the time on your shoulders, of course there's going to be pressure. Um, I think it was more media pressure. It really wasn't pressure from the community or, you know, the people of the state. Um, it, it's just something that we kind of took over and uh, – something we enjoyed for a while for a good three to four months well just tell me just take me back to that take me back to a game a game night in paul paul your senior year when people <laughs> knew who you were and uh, rick kozlowski we've we've never talked with him he wrote a great piece five years ago catching up with you then and uh but just just take me back to game night of course paul paul in morgan county population 508 <laughs> i mean gotta love that yeah, you got to love it. And, uh, you know, it's funny you bring Rick up. He was he was always fantastic to me. Uh, great guy, great journalist with the Martinsburg Journal on Martinsburg. Um, you know, a, a basketball night in Paul Paul back in those days, um, you know, that's what the town kind of lived for at the moment. Um, as you said, we were a small town, basically in the middle of nowhere. And, um, you know, that three to four months that we experienced that uh there would be lines out of the gymnasium for the road standing room only and um you know it was a lot of fun at the time when you're a kid you really didn't realize it you didn't really take it in as probably as much as you should have but um you know it was a special time i know the people of the community really enjoyed it uh and definitely actually you know all the guys on the team enjoyed it just not only myself well, for those who aren't aware, uh, Paul Paul located right on the Potomac River in uh, Morgan County, and uh, the high school just off Route Nine that runs through town there. And uh, from my understanding, a lot of people found Route Nine and found their way into Paul Paul to watch those games, and a lot of people from out of your area. And um, what was that experience like when you realized that you know people are coming to see me play, and to be able to handle that at that age? Well, I mean, when you're at that age, you really don't, you don't think of it that way. Um, you know, you just want to go out there, you want to play basketball, you want to have fun with your friends. Um, you know, halfway to, you know, through the process of my senior year, it did get a little overwhelming for all of us, you know, just not me and my, you know, the family. Um, you know, I had a younger brother, Matt, that a lot of people forget about that was a fantastic basketball player. And, um, you know, playing with your brother, you know, one of your close best friends, uh, you know, it, it just kind of make it, it made it easy and natural. It was nothing that was really overwhelming at the time. Well, I'm also going to guess you grew up playing with your teammates all the way through. Tell me about 
two years after you graduated, they went back to Charleston to the state tournament and kind of made their own name in that regard. Was that satisfying to see them do that in, in, in its own way of saying, you know, hey, we weren't just a one-man show? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, that, you know, like I said, that, that shows you the kind of player that actually my younger brother Matt was. Um, you know, I hear it all the time from him. You know, I've been there twice, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, when those things happen in a small town, it's it, it kind of the stars have to align when you're picking from 50 to 60 kids. Um, you know, they don't happen every five years. They don't happen every 10 years. And I, for him to, to take his, you know, when I went my senior year and then for him to go his senior year, you know, it says a lot about, uh, you know, the time that we had there, Paul Paul and the athletes at the time we had. Uh, when you get a chance to look back at that now, there 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 was a little bit of a darker side. Again, I'm using Rick's um, story from uh, five years ago, um, talking about going to Charleston, going to the state tournament. You played Marsh Fork, and uh, you'd averaged 38, 39 points per game, and, and that was a very good Marsh Fork team, one that ended up uh, losing in the championship game. But they, they beat you guys. And uh, you guys, uh, or you were held under 20 points, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, really, the Charleston media kind of kind of beat you up a little bit. Well, you know, back in those days, well, 15 years ago, uh, you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have Facebook. Um, you know, the mainstream media was the newspapers, and uh, at that time, there really wasn't a lot of. You know, regional newspapers, it was more centralized in Charleston, Wheeling, Beckley, Martinsburg. Um, and, you know, they didn't see me play all year. Um, and, of course, you know, when you don't see somebody play all year and see the body of work and you, you know, base their career maybe on one game, you know, that they're entitled to their own opinion. But um, was it unprofessional? Yeah, I guess so a little bit. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, it's nothing that I hold, you know hold in anger or was angry at at the time uh, it's just something that was uh, I guess unfortunate well it's also a situation too that I can say that with this show and just reading that from Rick kind of put in perspective as to what we do is that you know we're very careful to, to celebrate good you know achievements and we know that Anytime there's an achievement, there's a kid on the other side who's feeling the opposite side of that. And um, I think it's important to take those feelings into account. And, and sometimes the best way to do that is to just focus on the achievement rather than the quote-unquote failure. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean, we were kids. Uh, you know, it was something that none of us were getting paid for. And uh, people should have really just enjoyed the moment um you know the last time that something like that happened was nearly 50 years ago when i uh when i broke the record um but you know we just kind of celebrated as a, as a team thing um you know that sounds cliche but um when you're you know in a school of 50 you grow up together um and you know you're practicing you're playing every day together um it was just an event and a opportunity for all of us to kind of enjoy the uh the limelight so to say you know uh, we were 
you know, at that time, I want to say the smallest school in the state of West Virginia. So, um, you know, we just all just really enjoyed it. And uh, I know now, now looking back 15 years now that you've had a, a different uh, perspective of things. I know you, you actually played baseball in college. It turns out that you were a really good baseball player, too. Not a lot of people realize that. <laughs> um, but, um, but now you, you've kind of had the opportunity to look back on it. Has it, has it changed the way – I don't know. Now, now that you've been able to get some life experience behind you and, and see the bigger picture of things, has that changed the way that you remember your high school days? Oh, man, to be honest with you, you know, when you get older, there's things more important than that. Mm -hmm. um, when you have kids like I do, you know. Um, so, they, no, I mean, it doesn't really change anything. It, I mean, it is what it is. Um, we all felt pretty successful for what we accomplished at the time, and that's what's most important. And we had fun, when we, you know, as we did it. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't change my life aspect if, if you know, to answer your question, I mean, there's there's things more important in life than that. Absolutely. And, um, Josh, we've got uh, um, Melvin Richards. Do you happen to know Melvin Richards per, per chance here? No, I do not no? know Melvin Richards. All right. Well, we've got, a Melvin, we've got Melvin Richards on hold. I'll just hold off on that. He actually has the same area code you do, by the way. So that that's why I'm uh, curious if you uh, – knew him so uh i'll just hold oh, off on Lord taking that call for now yeah <laughs> i'll do you a favor on that one but uh i do want to bring in uh, <laughs> rick i do want to bring in rick kozlowski of the martinsburg journal he he's on the phone with us tonight as well and uh you know rick you hear from josh here and he and god got, got you both with us now here on the phone and um uh, all this time later uh Sometimes, sometimes it's not bad to take a little trip down memory lane as long as you keep it all in perspective. Well, I've just been sitting here uh, enjoying uh, Josh kind of reminisce on the uh, the whole thing, and uh, it just strikes me that uh, I'm hearing the same classy kids I heard back in in high school, and when, when I talked to him five years ago. No. And Josh, before uh, I mean, let's also update people. Uh, you live in South Carolina now, correct? Yeah, I do. How you doing, Rick? It's nice to talk hey. to you again. Yeah, you too. So, so Josh. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. What, what are you? What, what do you do now? Well, uh, my wife and I we live in uh, Bluffton, South Carolina. It's right outside of Hillhead. Um, I work actually in Savannah, Georgia for a home health company and operations and development and uh been there for a couple of years now, um, since we moved down here. So uh yeah, just enjoying the sunshine. It's cold down here though. I can't imagine what y'all are going through up there. I was gonna say, what's what's cold for you right now? <laughs> uh, we're down in the thirties, man. That's cold. You get spoiled down we here. We haven't seen the thirties. Oh, that, that would be a heat wave here right now. <laughs> That's what I hear. That's what I hear. <laughs> Josh, I was down that way two weeks ago, and we actually had a frozen field that we had to stomp softball for the first morning there. It was on that Friday morning. It was 28 degrees Friday morning to start the day off. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the old uh, Potomac State baseball days when I played up there shoveling snow off. Uh, Rick, uh, before we go well, here. Well, let me, let yeah, me, let me, say, let me interject ahead. real quick on that. I, I saw a picture I think it was yesterday of of the Potomac State uh, baseball field, and 
Uh, yes, somebody was shoveling snow off and it looked pretty deep. I <laughs> hear uh, you got some on the way coming uh, tonight as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Josh, some things never change, right? But, uh, Rick, before we uh, wrap this up here, and, and we'll, we'll keep you on the line after the break as well, but anything that you would like to uh, to say or ask of Josh DeLauder now? No, I think uh, – I guess, I guess my one comment would be, is, and you alluded to it earlier, that – it's a record that probably won't be broken, and I would I would agree with that. It could only be broken at a place like Pawpaw, uh, a school so small that there's so few kids there that when a great basketball player comes into the school, that he has to be a starter and a, a regular scorer, big-time scorer, starting with his freshman year. That's the only way it can happen. And I don't, I don't think, well, like you say, never say never, but I'm, I'm doubting that it will ever be broken. Well, Rick, I'm going to put you on hold here, and we'll wrap things up with Josh. And, uh, uh, Josh, first off, I, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, again, I know that, we, and we, I talked about when I was in, in the introduction, um, kind of an enigmatic figure at the time because, as you mentioned, there were radio, the regional uh, newspapers. The Internet wasn't quite as uh, fine-tuned as it is today to where access to athletes and, and being able to see their uh, videos on, on Twitter and YouTube and everywhere else. Um, but, but you were kind of at the very end of that, that quote-unquote, the dark age. That, that you and I were in high school at the same time. Uh, but, uh, um, Josh, thanks so much for joining us. And, um, again, we, we definitely uh, hold your name in high regard for what you did, not just as a scorer, that's part of it, but for taking Paul Paul High School to the state tournament and uh, getting to take that small community uh, on that uh, memorable ride one that was memorable for folks from communities who are nowhere near Paul Paul, and that was mine included. Uh, we definitely appreciate all that you were able to do and accomplish there then, and we appreciate you taking time out to talk with us now. Anytime, Ryan. It was great talking to you guys. That was Josh DeLauder, a Paul Paul graduate who holds the West Virginia record for all-time scoring. Josh joined us on the February 20th, 2015 edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Coming up after the break, it's a hot topic in West Virginia and across the nation, sportsmanship and high school athletics. Stay tuned to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. High School Basketball's Voice in the Mountain State. It's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. High School Basketball action in West Virginia is heating up as teams focus on a trip to the state championship in Charleston. Stay up to date with your local team and its progress all season long with Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia for three hours every Friday night from 9 to midnight. Listen online or on great radio stations throughout the Mountain State. Hear sports writers, broadcasters, coaches, players, and 
your calls recapping your team's game. Visit BasketballNight.com for more details on how you can become part of the show. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. And thanks to everyone that has sent us all the game reschedules. You can send your game reschedules by text, tweets, and emails. We appreciate you being part of all the people out there updating us on all the rescheduled games throughout the Mountain State. Send your rescheduled games via Twitter. Send it to at hoops underscore roundup, at hoops underscore roundup. You can also text us 304-249-4924, 304-249-4924. And you can send us an email. Email scores at basketballnight.com, scores at basketballnight.com. Go to our website and check it out. Find out how you can connect with the show. A shout out to all our new Twitter followers. Follow us on Twitter at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup new followers include christina fox at kfox underscore provado Quan gibson lucas haynes at luda 304 coach wiley at alex 1967 thanks for following us on twitter at hoops underscore roundup at hoops underscore roundup if you love basketball then there's only one place to be on friday nights after the game basketball friday night in west virginia Celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. It's 11-22 here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Remember, you can visit our website at basketballnight.com. We've got lots of resources over there. For one, you can listen to this show and any of our past shows. You can subscribe to our podcast so you can be sure to never miss any of our episodes and you can listen on your own schedule. And you can also find all the AP ratings, uh, the girls' coaches poll, um, and also our basketballnight.com power ratings. You can only find those at basketballnight.com, and we just started coming out with them uh, in January. Uh, They've been real interesting to follow along so far. So, again, and those will be coming out this Sunday, um, 6 p.m. is when the girls' ratings will be released, and 8 p.m. is when the boys' ratings will be released. You can catch those at basketballnight.com. Tonight we're revisiting some of our favorite interviews and discussions from our previous shows and our next segment aired on February 15th and it discusses what happens when rivalries become too heated. Let's join James Collier, Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. I want to move on to a couple of topics here real fast and uh, I know we're, we're kind of tight on time but uh, our resident referee Bo Anderson's on hold. <laughs> So, also, so the wait he begins. Can, he's the wait begins, yes. I noticed he called in really late tonight. But nonetheless, um, first off, empty gym. That's part of our poll question. Should Hedgesville and Martinsburg play their games in an empty gym now after problems there last week? Well, Dayton City Schools in Dayton, Ohio, there were two schools that played each other that kept having problems. So they cleared the gym out. Empty gym game. Your thoughts on that? If it gets to a point where people's safety and uh, uh, just the, 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 
the gist of sportsmanship. I understand you're going to have the back and forth. That's part of it. That makes it fun. But I think when it, an element of violence gets brought in, it really it's distorted. I'm okay with that. I mean, that way the kids enjoy the game. Part of the experience, though, is the atmosphere you mentioned. And that's gone with an empty gym. But it may take some of that before people get the message that uh, this should be a celebration. That's what we do here with this program. That's why we're here is to celebrate it. So I, I don't have a problem with it if the, it has gotten to a point where you're either going to do away with the rivalry game at all and penalize kids or you know play it in an environment that's kind of a sterile environment for the game. Wisconsin's. Uh, high school association wants to ban students from chanting air they, they've advised it at this point <laughs> but we know how advisories go uh-huh. they want they don't want students to chant air ball scoreboard you can't do that or anything that could possibly be conceived as negative toward or perceived as negative toward an opposing team i, I think as long as you keep it clean and keep it reasonable don't make it like ultra personal i mean and what, we, what, what, what can you say? And everybody gets a trophy, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, that's the extreme. And, again, we're all competitors. We all want to compete. You're exactly right. I mean, when it's in good taste, it's fun. I mean, go to Cameron sometime. I've never been to Cameron Indoor. Would love to. The crazies there. It's all, in, it's all very – uh, atmosphere uh, adding too, and and James, uh, you can hop in too. But uh, that's part of it. And uh, you know, there's so many chants and things that are not abusive. They're not singling somebody out. They're not derogatory in any way. And he mentioned a couple of those. I'm telling you what, when you can't holler air ball at a ball game, uh, it may be time to reevaluate how far we're going with this. Well, I, and I've, as soon as I heard that report out of Wisconsin, I'll keep this really quick. I'll talk about it later on. But the first thing that came to mind was the student section battles at the Charleston Civic Center in the state tournament. I mean, there's some student sections that come in, and you get to watch them. They, they do the virtual roller coaster and all the chants, warm up the bus. And it's, it's some of the things that you see players, they, they interact with the crowd whether it be their own or the crowd that has just been on them all night and then they knock that big three down and they, they just like, you know, they give them the shush. It's, it's, it's fun because it's interaction and it's part of the game. But it's one of the things, you, you're, the word that you brought up, safety. You have to be concerned about the safety of it because a lot of times it's not what's happening between those ten players on the court that's causing the issues. It's what's happening up in the stands that is spilling out onto the court and one of the instances I'll talk about a little bit later on in one of those games that was over in Phelps, Kentucky, in a middle school game, there were fans left the stands. There was an official that was tackled at midcourt. I mean, he was almost gored like in res- professional wrestling style. There was a video on um, WYMT-TV that had a uh, home video that someone had captured from their phone in the, in the stands. It was brutal. And we're talking about an eighth-grade middle school basketball game. Something has to happen. I mean, like you said, we want to celebrate the kids. But you have to think, at what point does safety become a concern? The people in Dayton, there were some people that said, yeah, this is a great way to take it. But at the same time, you're punishing these kids, and you're only making it a one-game suspension for everybody. Well, we just won't go to that game. We'll come back and do it the next time. Mm -hmm. So when does enough become enough? Do you have to say, okay, it's a three-strike, you're out. You're caught the first time. You're suspended for a week, or as as a parent. But then you're having to put securities at at, at gates and having to put people on watch list. It's to the point to where I think we're going to start seeing some of these rivalry contests. They're going to play them on neutral sites, or they're going to put them in a gymnasium and leave everybody outside to watch. And before we go to break, the final thing we talked about that, and James just touched on that situation in Phelps, Kentucky. Which if you're if you're unfamiliar, Phelps, Kentucky. 
Pike County, Kentucky is right across the river from Williamson and Mingo County, West Virginia. Um, in fact, there are several people from Mingo County who go to, say, Belfry to play uh, sports. I mean, it happens. And uh, Coach Marone, uh, there were actually officials suspended after that fight. And I couldn't help but notice one thing that at a middle school game, and we'll talk. I'll talk with Bo Anderson about this in a moment too. But the officials in that game were wearing shorts. It looked like a youth league type thing. It really seemed like, who are these guys? Are they really certified? I don't know. I'm not necessarily blaming them. I'm not saying they did a poor job. I don't know what they did wrong per se. I don't know the the whole story. But that seemed to me. I noticed that immediately and thought that 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 has to. St- that that lack of professionalism, lack of formalness, may have l- helped accelerate what happened. Yeah, I think uh, everybody has to do their job. I think that uh, James hit it on the head. Majority of the time, it's not the ten between the lines. It's not the guys on the sideline. I'm not taking up for coaches. I'm one of them. But but if they do their job, the officials are professional. They're dressed professional. They manage the game. Everybody doesn't agree with the calls of officials. We all know that. How does everybody handle themselves that's in an official capacity? Who's the administrators at the game? Is there law enforcement there? What's your procedure to deal with that first incident when something happens, or is it allowed to mushroom? So I, I think everyone has a job to do. If everybody does their job, you can have a safe, fun environment. But you have to deal with problems before they erupt. There's always, like you said, there's some signs and things that start to develop. If you don't deal with them, it can get away from you in a hurry. And James mentioned it, it got really ugly in that situation at a middle school game, which is, is really hard to believe. Yeah, quite frankly, it's just unacceptable. Absolutely. A- adults, you're adults. Yeah, no, no like other it. way to say it. It's like you said, unacceptable. And it's just that it needs to be stopped right there. Coming up, we'll hear from the head coaches of two top West Virginia girls teams. I'll give you a hint. One is a reigning state champion, and both have zero losses this season. That and more when Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia continues here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. There's absolutely no better place to be than right here. It's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Streaming video live from the studios at Marshall University. Visit BasketballNight.com for video, audio, and the Basketball Friday Night scoreboard. Watch our live high-definition video stream by going to BasketballNight.com. It takes just one click to watch. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by clicking the Listen Live tab. We want you to become part of the Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia family. We'd like you to become our correspondent. Update us on your team's reschedules, scores, and anything else you'd like to send about your teams. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup. At Hoops underscore Roundup. Give us an update on your team's reschedules and any other information you'd like to send. You can tweet, text, and email. Find out how by visiting basketballnight.com. Special thanks again to all our affiliates carrying the show tonight. A shout-out to all our new Twitter followers. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. New followers include Lucas Haynes at Luda304, Coach Wiley at Alex1967, Robert Lewis at Lewis8944R, Bearcat Nation, Michaela at Big Mac 3013, Kettlecorn at Dean Ketz, Trey Maynard, Bobby Foggin, 
They Call Me Jay, Jay Cronin, Noah Heinzman, Jason Wilhite, Mark Richmond, Mason 989, Alex Blackenbecker, Jasmine Thieke, Tina Lane at Tina Lane 71, Jason Westfall, Coach D, One Life, Hunter Ridgeway, Amy Beeman, Paul Humphrey, Angela Toller, Mr. Flattery, and Evan Cole. Thanks for following us on Twitter, at Hoops underscore Roundup, at Hoops underscore Roundup. It's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. This is High School Basketball's home for the Mountain State. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to Basketball Night in West Virginia with James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. It's 11.33 here on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. I'm Marcus Constantino, and this is a special throwback edition of Basketball Friday Night. We're revisiting interviews from our previous shows and seasons. We've already played back many of our favorite clips from the past year, and if you missed any of them, you can go over to our website, basketballnight.com, and listen to this complete show on our podcast. But our next interview took place February 20th, 2015, as the Wyoming East Lady Warriors were trying to fight their way into the state championship game. Unfortunately, the Lady Warriors season was brought to a heartbreaking end in the state semifinal game by Sissonville. The Indians pulled out a 55-54 win over the Lady Warriors and went on to win the 2015 Class AA title. The Lady Warriors haven't lost a game since then. Wyoming East head coach Angie Bonzini joined us on February 20th to talk about the Warriors season so far. The Wyoming East Warriors girls team, ranked number one in Class AA, is the top seed in their sectional play and has a 17-1 and record. Head coach Angie Bonzini is with us now. Coach, welcome to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking time to talk with us, your team, 17-1. and one. And for folks outside of the area, this is a program that uh, went a, a big stretch through the early part of this, uh, uh, basically since 2000, of making it to Charleston on a regular basis, but not necessarily getting deep into the tournament once there. Then Westside had its run the past few years where it's won two out of the last three state championships. But you're team this year very young i know that the pineville middle school girls are on like a 60 plus game winning streak it's probably bigger than that by now but so the folks in that area knew what was coming and uh it's a ball club that has really lived up to some high expectations to this point in the season yes we've been very blessed this year uh we are a very young team but you know we've uh met the challenges that have been you know before us this season thus far Coach, it's Coach Marone. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Uh, I tell you what, Coach, the thing that's impressed me is is the way that you've blended. Uh, you have some veteran players uh, that uh, had been with your squad, uh, and you have some new players that have come in this year. And I can tell you from a coaching standpoint, sometimes that's not the easiest mix. And uh, you've seemed to have blended them together, and everybody has continued to do their part. But, you know, if you could talk a little bit about that, because sometimes when you have a young group coming in and you have some veteran players, that's not always an easy transition, but you've seemed to do an outstanding job. Well, that's a credit to our seniors. You know, they took our young kids under their wing 
and their leadership, Bree Perti, Kara Joel, and Casey Mullins, have been vital to our team's success this year. Well, Coach, freshman Gabby Lapartis has been someone who has uh, kind of gotten onto our radar, at least for some of the performances she has had, some big performances in some of your more important games. Is it difficult sometimes to rely on a freshman to, to be maybe that top scoring threat? Uh, I think Gabby's so much more than just a scoring threat. You know, she's a, I call her the quintessential point guard because she's very unselfish. Um, she's had a lot of experience, you know, I know Gabby since she was a small child. So I knew she had the ability to do it. It's been great for to see her step up this year and have such a great freshman year. Coach, when you talk about the mixture between the, the older senior team and then the younger girls coming in in the freshman class, you talk about Gabby and Bree. Is it, is it interesting to sit back and watch those two and almost say Bree is the now, Gabby is the future of this team, especially with the success that you've had this year? I think so. And I think, you know, uh, all the girls on the team, you know, the whole team this year have really meshed well. In fact, I had one tell me yesterday in practice, you know, we're just a family, Ange, we're just a family. And I think that's what's been the key to our success is because they are a family. We are a family. And I think that's you know comes off the court and it's bled on on the court this year. Coach, uh, we we've tried to ask, and I, I gave my own uh, input for all that was worth too. This uh, break that everyone has had here prior to sectionals, I don't know oh, how, <laughs> how you feel about it. I know one of the big issues for us, obviously, has been trying to get our conditioning. Uh, you know, you can lose it in a hurry. But uh, I just was wondering, uh, you know, obviously we're in a different situation than you are, and you guys have had such a great run. I have to think that uh, kind of that stop and that, that week off and stuff at this time is maybe something that maybe you'd rather not had, obviously. Oh, absolutely. I'd rather be on the court. We lost four games in the last week and a half uh, due to cancellation. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a concern going into sectional play because we have such a tough region down in this part. Uh, you know, we're just trying to keep us sharp. We did get on the court yesterday and today, and we're trying to keep as sharp as we can, you know, get all the rest off before sectional play next week. I wish we had another week go before sectional play. <laughs> Coach, you talk about the the conditioning factor, but how much do you go back into just trying to go through the fundamentals, especially once you finally get back in the gym, knock the rust off? Is it almost like the end of November, getting ready to start the season off in December all over again? Absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, going back to – let's go back to uh, – our start of the season, fundamental, fundamental, fundamentals. Because, you know, we need to get our sharp execution like we had. Our transition has worked well for us all year. And just get back on the court and let the kids uh, just run them down the court, basically, you know, for lack of a better word. Uh, Coach, I know some counties have policies where they don't allow, not only just don't allow games, but they, they don't even allow practice. Um, when there is a school cancellation or anything of that nature. And I'm not sure what the policy is in Wyoming County, but I know that at a consolidated school between Pineville and Mullins in New Richmond, where Wyoming East High School is, and there are some rural areas in there. And with the snow that we've had, I'm sure you've had some kids that have probably had a difficult time being able to just get out of the house. Absolutely. Uh, actually, Wyoming East has four counties. I mean, four towns we're coming from, Herndon, Glen Fork, uh, Mullins, and Pineville. So we even spread out over more more of the county. Uh, it has been a concern. We just basically could get back in the court, I mean, on the gym yesterday and today. So uh, we are fortunate to have that 
flexibility that we can practice. You know, like you said, some counties can't have it, but we're able to at our discretion. But, you know, safety is our main concern. Uh, if the kids don't feel like it's safe to come to practice, you know, they, they won't come. Uh, You're yeah. right. We're I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it's it, a lot of West Virginia do, is doing with the same thing. And I guess that's the, the one bright spot, if there is one, because there really isn't one in, in a situation like this in terms of just this amount of snow in this prolonged period. But um, everyone's kind of on an even playing field when it comes to that. Absolutely, yes. Uh, you know, sectionals for I think the whole state might start out a little bit slow to begin with, just getting us back on the, in the gym and on the court for everybody. Well, Coach, your team has had an excellent regular season and uh, one that, uh, you know, if it can continue, we'll get to Charleston and uh, we certainly wish you the best of luck moving forward into sectional play. Um, now, we're trying to track down all the sectional uh, tournament schedules. Uh, can you help me out with yours a little bit here? Sure. Our, our section is supposed to start tomorrow with our four and five seeds playing. Uh, and then Tuesday, we have our two games at 6 and 8 o'clock at Summers County High School. Then on Thursday we have our championship game at 7 o'clock at Summers County High School. Alright, so we'll try to get that in there and up on the website basketballnight.com and we'll, uh, we'll keep up with you. Coach, uh, we wish you the best of luck to the postseason. Well, I really thank you very much and appreciate you having me on. And we, we, You're right, we've been blessed this year. That was Angie Bonzini, head coach of the Wyoming Geese Lady Warriors. They're sporting a 14-0 record so far this season and are atop the BasketballNight.com girls' AA power ratings. On our last show of the 2014-2015 season, we were able to talk to Morgantown girls head coach Jason White and get his thoughts less than a week after the Mohegans defeated Parkersburg South 48-31 to win the Class AAA crown. Here's Jason White on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on March 20th, 2015. Right now, let's go to Jason White, head girls coach at, at Morgantown, and uh, coach back-to-back -back state champs. And uh, I, as I said a week ago uh, on Twitter, because I wasn't here, uh, just a defensive clinic that your team put on in Charleston a week ago. Congratulations on that title. Hey, thanks, Ryan, so much. Uh, man, what a credit to our kids. and. The execution of a defensive game plan was uh, just about perfect in that first half. Uh, definitely not what we thought maybe going into the game the way it would play out, but certainly happy it did. One of the things that, that, I, that I've caught just watching that game is how easy you made good defense look. And by that, I mean, it didn't seem like you were uh, overexerting in the wrong lanes. You weren't having to necessarily uh, try to jump uh, you know, too much pressure on the ball. Basically, you forced Parkersburg South to take the shots you wanted them to take, and uh, for the most part, uh, caught them cold and uh, ran away from them. Yeah, you know, we played them three uh, three times previously, so uh, we were very familiar with them, which bred a lot of confidence in our kids. Um, we knew what they wanted to do. And uh, I thought our kids were very focused on the defensive end uh, after we lost that game to Parkersburg South at home uh, earlier in the year, uh, our only loss of the year. Uh, we kind of, at that point, decided as a team and as a coaching staff that we needed to go back and hit our defensive fundamentals every day, doing things like shell drill, one-third cut, just 
just back to the basics, the stuff that got us to the state championship the year before. And, uh, man, did, did all those things pay off when it came to championship Saturday. Our kids, uh, from the very first ball screen, from the very first time they ran Kia Bartlett off a double screen, um, we were standing there waiting on it, and uh, our kids sat down and played, and I thought Liv Segge did a great job of keeping Taryn McCutcheon in front of her. And, uh, you know, our kids, you know, Holloway and Laskitty and Boyle did a great job on the boards, and, and we were able to control the, the tempo of the game in the first half. Coach, uh, just looking at the stats from that championship game, you held uh, Parkersburg South. Your team did just a 20% sh- uh, percentage of, you know, shots made. Uh, what do you credit that to? Well, I credit to, to the kids and the, the attention to detail that they paid through the scouting report. Uh, you know, you get that quick turnaround from, from winning a game on, on semifinal Friday to playing on championship Saturday. But um, a credit to our kids and our assistant coaches and the scouting report that they put together and, and, and our kids for, for, for paying attention to the detail of that scouting report and kind of knowing what Parkersburg South was, was going to try to do. Uh, you know, of course, they switched a few things up on us here and there, as any, any great team would do. And, and Coach Stevens, uh, you know, does, does, a, does a masterful job at, at South. And, uh, but, you know, our kids really did a good job of, of keeping Taryn in front of them and then, you know, not letting Kia get a good look. Um, she got a couple looks, but I think we forced her into maybe a couple bad shots. And then, you know, the more and more that we were able to do that, I think the, the more and more the panic kind of set in with Parkersburg South about trying to get a really good look. And, and uh, man, our kids, they, they just played so hard on the defensive end before. Well, Parkersburg South was 2 of 22 in the first half of that game from the floor. And, um before we let you go, we, we had Olivia Seggy on earlier, but uh, let's talk about earlier this year we said that she didn't have to score as much. That proved out to be it through the course of the season. But championship Saturday, ball in her hands, she, uh, she decided to be a little more assertive and uh, ended up with 15 points and kind of looked like the Olivia Seggy from a year ago. There's something about Charleston that, that, that sparks that kid. And uh, if you've ever had a chance or the opportunity to see her play, she plays at a different level once she gets to Charleston. Uh, she's always got a quick first step, and she always always leaves everything on the floor. But if you see her in Charleston, it's like she's got uh, an extra gear that that other kids just don't just don't have. And uh, man, what a leader she is! And she stepped up for us big when when, when her team needed needed her to. And and uh, man, what a credit to how hard that kid's worked on her game and in, in, in the course of 365 days. I mean, she's making threes and outside jump shots in that game and, and it, she's able to get the ball to the rim and finish with contact and those were things a year ago that you know she struggled to do a little bit. So she's really worked hard and, and, and it's again a credit to, to her and, and her hard work. Well, Coach White, once again, congratulations. Back-to-back Class AAA state championships for the Morgantown Mohegans girls basketball program and that's two for two now. That's a interesting way to start. No pressure now. Yeah, thanks, Ron. Ain't no pressure at all. I, you know, this might be the only time you've ever had a guy on that's uh, done the entire interview from a stairwell in Columbus. <laughs> I came up to watch the Mountaineers play today, and uh, I'm in the arena watching Albany and Oklahoma right now, and I tried to find the only quiet place in the arena, which is a stairwell, which I don't even know how to get back into the arena. I might be locked out. Well, well, hopefully they'll let you back into Nationwide Arena. We certainly appreciate uh, everything, Coach White, over the past couple of years, and I look forward to talking to you again next year. 
as I say every time, guys, thanks for having me on, and, and, and thanks for everything that you do for girls basketball in the state of West Virginia. We really appreciate it. That was Jason White, head coach of the back-to-back state champion, Morgantown Lady Mohegans. It's time for our final break, but up next, we get to hear Bo Anderson one last time on this edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia here on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia will return in two minutes on the Fast Break Sports Network. Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, the Mountain State's voice for all things high school basketball. Tonight, it's the best of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. A special thanks tonight to all of our affiliates. You can listen to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia throughout the Mountain State on great radio stations including 94 Rock, WRLF, Fairmont, Power 92 Radio, 92.3 FM, WIRCLP, Spencer, 104.5 FM, WASPLP, Huntington, 97.9 FM, WSPWLP, Parkersburg, 101.1 FM, WVWP, Wayne, Knights Radio, 91.5 FM, WRSG, Middleburn, 106.7 FM, WHFI, Linside, 101.9 FM and 1290 AM, WVOW, Logan, 90.7 FM, WFGH, Fort K, 98.5 FM and 101.5 FM, WQAZLP, Edmond, Beckley, 101.7 FM, WYAPLP, Clay, Marshall University's flagship station, 88.1 FM, WMUL, Huntington, Cable subscribers can find Basketball Friday Night in the Huntington region on Comcast Channel 25 and Armstrong Digital Channel 204. Streaming online high-definition video can be found on our website, basketballnight.com, and on affiliate rsnsports.com. Listen online with any computer or mobile device by going to basketballnight.com and click on Listen Live. If you think you missed something on Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, you can now go to the Apple iTunes store and download the podcast. You can find us by searching Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia in the iTunes store. Subscribing is simple and completely free. Podcasts are also available directly on BasketballNight.com. Check it out and you can listen and watch all the past shows. Go to BasketballNight.com. Celebrating high school basketball around the Mountain State, you're listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Now, back to your hosts, James Collier, Coach Rick Marone, and Ryan Epling. It's 11.51. Welcome back to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. It's the home stretch of our highlight show here on the Fast Break Sports Network. If you're not following us on Twitter, here's your weekly reminder we're on Twitter, at hoops underscore roundup, at hoops underscore roundup. You can follow us for every final score in West Virginia. You can also go over to the Basketball Friday Night Statewide Scoreboard, and it's at basketballnight.com scoreboard, and it has every game listed and then every final score across the state as they come in to us. And remember, you can always report scores to us by going to our website, by tweeting us, or by texting us at 304-249-4924. Right now, we're going to turn it over to our final segment of the evening. We had Bo Anderson on just before 10 and just before 11. So as midnight comes upon us, 
We'll share an interesting discussion on the new rules regarding PA announcers that we had with Bo from our March 20th, 2015 show. Let's listen in. Anyway, right now, let's turn it over to our resident referee, Bo Anderson. You know, I I hate to make light of it, but that was a sound heard too often tonight in Charleston at the Civic Center between uh, Huntington and Hurricane, and I don't blame the officials for that either. Again, uh, a very heated game tonight that was won by the Highlanders, but uh, Bo Anderson, welcome to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia, the season finale. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe, guys. Uh, again, thanks for having me on. It's been a great show today and, uh, you know, great all year. And I always look forward to listening to it. Um, when you're talking about that game, I'm not going to talk about games in particular because there was others. Uh, I have to say I'm quite a bit disappointed in the overall sportsmanship today. There was either seven or eight technical fouls handed out. I saw players mouthing players getting technicals. I saw one walk over another player and, and basically rub his tail end in his head and get one. Um, I, I saw a lot of very uh, uncharacteristic for the state tournament sportsmanship and uh, was really disappointed in that today as a whole. Uh, that is not fun to watch. It is sure not fun to referee. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, sometimes I think those coaches – uh, really need to take a grasp on some of these players whenever they commit things out in front of 12,500 people. Uh, we, we've talked about what a great atmosphere that was for basketball, and uh, you, you don't want anything to be tarnished by it. But one thing we wanted to bring up with you, we've talked several times this season about the new public address rules. And before we bore anybody with that, basically um, – Public address announcers are not supposed to announce the number of team fouls, um, the things of that nature. There's a lot more to it now than what there used to be. It's supposed to be a little more regulated. Was that followed in Charleston? Uh, not really. Uh, it's not really been followed anywhere. Exactly. And, you know, I think it's, again, we talked about this. Uh, players, you know, uh, coaches, everyone, I think they understand those sports announcers have been doing it for, uh, you know, most of them that do the, uh, even their own schools have done it for years, and it's hard to break those habits. And I think being on the Civic Center floor, the announcer really wasn't a home announcer. You know, they're a neutral announcer, and therefore I don't think that uh, that was really thought of. You know, I, I, I think that rule... They might have to look at that a little bit. I think it's more of whenever you're at home and they really announce something when a player fouls out, kind of trying to intimidate them or whatever. And, again, I'll I'll recollect back since you brought that up about, I think, a few years ago what got that going was uh, the game was about 12 to 10 and the team was stalling the ball for seven or eight minutes at a time and then, all of a sudden, the announcer come on during one of the stalls and said, well, the hot dogs are now on sale in the concession stand for a quarter. Anybody, while there's a break in the action, anybody that wants to get one can jump up there and do it because, you know, we got a break in the action. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I think they tried to avoid. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, that, to me, you know, that was, you know, there was nothing wrong with that today. Uh, 
you know, the, I, like I said, the only thing that I that I picked out that I was very disappointed with uh, was was the poor sportsmanship uh, among several players today on several different teams. That was Bo Anderson, our resident referee, on the March twentieth, twenty fifteen edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Bo Anderson, of course, is a referee and has provided us and our listeners with a unique perspective and so much knowledge uh, on the rules of high school basketball. He really is a walking rule book. Now on to our BasketballNight.com poll question. Last week's poll, this was really a one-sided one. We asked, should chance directed at the opposing team, such as airball and scoreboard, be banned in West Virginia high school athletics? We had a record 126 voters. 97% said no, the chant should not be banned. While 3%, that's four whole people, said yes, ban scoreboard, ban airball, ban all chants directed at the opponent of the opposing team. This week's poll question, which you can find right now at basketballnight.com, What's the most all-around competitive region in West Virginia high school basketball, both boys and girls, this season? Region 1, Region 2, Region 3, or Region 4? You can cast your vote right now at BasketballNight.com. And that'll do it for this special highlight edition of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. I'd like to give a big thanks to the guys that are usually doing the show, Ryan Epling, James Collier, and Rick Marone, as well as Fred Dameron, Mike Stanley, Lance, Alice, everyone else who works behind the scenes to make Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia show up on your radio dial every Friday night. We'll be back at 9 p.m. next Friday. Until then, good night, and thanks for listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia on the Fast Break Sports Network. Thank you for listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. Tune in next Friday for the latest high school basketball action from across the Mountain State. Visit BasketballNight.com for our show archives, the poll question of the week, and the BasketballNight.com scoreboard. Until next time, have a great weekend. And thank you for listening to Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia. The preceding broadcast was a presentation of the Fast Break Sports Network. Copyright 2016. All rights reserved.